Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, episode 24, September 16th, 2018. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am here with my co-hosts... Tony Carter. And... Valerie Vidmar. And... My lovely older sister, Wendy Hacker. I was going to do a big thing, but I didn't know if you were going to say it or not, so I said it. I couldn't tell. Technically and technically, this is her second time on the show. <laughs> yeah, sort first, of. First was silent. This is louder. Correct. Silent. Yeah, she was. She was in the other room silent. texting. <laughs> texting Doing research room. backstage. <laughs> she she was the executive producer for a show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what you been up to? Are you go gonna ahead. go? You can start. Me. Um, this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't really remember because I think it was school. Jason left to go to Ireland on Tuesday. He's back already. Ireland? Yeah. Wow, that was a short trip. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, and then Wendy came in on Thursday night late and then... Friday, we went to go see Hair at Jiva. Mm. No. Anyway, <laughs> it was Kendra, Wendy, and I, and we loved it. I mean, it was obviously, it, it had some differences from, I mean, I... It hit all the feels for you, though. Yeah, I don't even remember the stage show uh, when I was 14. I just remember that I really loved it, and I got the record, and I listened to it. And then I watched the movie, but the movie is very, very, mm-hmm. very different. So when I watched the stage show... Um, they're very different mm-hmm. and they, um, had, uh, Claude and Berger and Claude was totally different. Yes. Very different from the also, movie. From the movie? Let me just. Well, in, in I your, mean. In your opinion, how was he different? From the movie? Yeah. Well, from, in the movie, he's like this clean cut guy. That from just, Oklahoma. That just shows up. And in the show. He's a hippie already. Mm, okay. And then um, Berger was the main, like he was Treat Williams. Um, so, I mean, it was Treat Williams. Okay. So back in the day. Um, but uh, I thought they did a great job. I thought the first opening number was great. I wasn't really, I, I really wasn't disappointed by anything. I had, there was some really great, there were strong performances. There's a couple songs that I was like crossing my fingers. Please, please, please be good. I mean, little songs. Um, Frank Mills. I don't know why I like that song, but I do. And she did, they did, she did a wonderful little job. Um, and then Claude. One of the funniest is when she uh, pops out of the stage. 
coming up the sewer with the gas mask on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a crush on Claude and Kinder had a crush on Burger. Um, and then I cried an ugly cry at the end. I mean, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. The lighting, the lighting, how they did the lighting at the end, I'll just put it that way. And then the snow, I just, it was a little bit too much for me, mm. which is different than the movie. So, I mean, a different person dies. Mm-hmm. So that's very different. But we all had a great time. Did you so, meet the cast after? No, we did not. We went to see, Wendy and I were there because Kendra was working the French festival. So she ran over from the box office and so Wendy and I went and um, listened to the pre-show talk. Okay. And then we went to... We who, had did, been, who did the pre-show for the night you were there? Oh, I don't know her name, but she was... She was one of the... Um, was it Cheech? She just... She didn't have a main part correctly, did she? No, she was part... Her uh, description was ensemble. Okay. Uh, so... But she was she was one of the three uh, Supremes. Okay. Oh yeah, and so then uh, Kendra, uh, I guess Kendra and I started off the week going to Bardbender. Um, yes, we took, in, we took, in Rochester it is Fringe Festival weekend or Fringe Festival weeks. week. It's eleven days. <laughs> eleven days of Fringe Crazy. Festival. They added a day this year, and so I took Zoe on Tuesday. Um, with Shakespeare on a twist on gender, color, and time period to show that any time you can... Story is a story. Story is a story. Yep. Although we were, she was completely confused. And <laughs> I'm not going to lie that there are times where I was completely confused. It has been a while since I have studied Shakespeare, so I was like, okay. And then we went to Cirque du Fringe yesterday, um, which was really fun. And the girls had a great time. And then Wendy and Kendra and I went to see the slam poetry at the little. I cried again. I'm a crier. That was really that was really great. And then uh, we ate at Swillburger for the first time. But the ski ball was broken. Broken. That's why we went was to play ski ball. Oh. <sighs> so that was broken. And then uh, we ended the evening with the immersive igloo, mm. which was kind of like I felt like maybe this was like maybe this was the womb was like or this is like I'm in a jellyfish or um I don't know some of it was I, I, I he was he did a good job there were things that I wondered if he could do with color I was kind of curious at the different things that he could have done with color um the music was right behind us so we got really loud in there um, but I um, enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of felt a little, well, Zoe, not Zoe. Sorry, I always do that. Kinder was just like, I'm sure for a moment there I was under some type of drug. <laughs> sure you were. Okay. <laughs> Nitrous. Um, something. And I kept looking at Wendy thinking, what is she thinking? What were you thinking? I needed a more comfortable seat. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You have to eat them. Yes, that's what I was thinking because 
the seating for me was uncomfortable. That's why I kept telling you to scoot down. I did, and I tried, and it got worse. I basically <laughs> laid down in there. Kendra and I were laying down and just like our arms are open and open to the experience. I look over at Wendy, and she's staying straight up. <laughs> I kept thinking, I don't know if she's enjoying this, but no, but we had a great time. So the Fringe Festival so far has been exciting. Thumbs up. I must compliment you on your choice of shirt. That is pretty damn cool. Oh, thank you. It is, uh, how would you describe that? Paisley in Star Wars? Uh, definitely. With a little bit of Mexican f- yes. flair to it? Yes. It's and yeah, then Darth I got- Vader with, yes. Diamond eyes. Oh, nice. I got this at a Red Wings. This is a Red Wings hat with a with Darth Vader on. Oh, it must be from uh, Star Wars Night. Yeah, nice. yeah. And they had one left, so I grabbed it. Sweet. So she has. She said, "I don't understand." We have theme nights. They're weird. I think they're fun. Well, um, so my my boss's uh, son is the general manager for two of the double A teams in the Seattle Mariners organization. And he said the only way that they make money is through promotion nights. I said they, they really don't make money from too much else. They don't get a lot of money from the ball club. So everything that they do is from selling concessions and promotions. So they do everything they can do to get butts in the seats and people to buy things. Yeah. So, so with, here they've been doing a pretty good job lately with I say the last two years, like with the Rochester plates, the Star Wars nights, having a theme night almost every single night you're at the ball club. So it's yeah, I don't catch up with I'm not up with the theme night. Except that we just we went I think when uh You went there on plates night, I think, yeah, didn't you? you? Did. I didn't I didn't even know what the plates were. I had no I had no you clue. Went. I was like, What are you what are you talking about with the plates tonight? So I thought it was a separate team. I'm like, oh, man, I thought we, I was going to see the, okay, what? Well, that's fine. She's like, Kinder was trying to explain to me. No, it's the same players. They're just the plates tonight. Gimmicky. Yeah. God. We went. Uh, that's the, very smart. Frankly. When we went there with my parents over the summer, we went and it was old time baseball night. So they were the old uh original Red Wings team. So they all had the old gear on and they had the old stickball players out there. And it was just. It was fun. It's just something different, you know, especially for kids. They're just like to see something different instead of the same old thing that they go and see every single time. Everybody likes fireworks. The fireworks. I mean, when Kinder went a few years ago, was it Kinder or or, um, Dustin? One of them. I can't remember. Uh, The theme was Moulin Rouge. And so then, so they were like, oh my God, I loved it. And they freaked out over it. And then, this time, I don't know what it was, but they were kind of like, oh. Did they have can-can dancers on the dugouts? No. <laughs> but they had all the music from it. And, and they didn't do the was, research. I can't even remember. I don't even remember what the music was. All I know is that um, the girls had a great time. So that's all that counts. Harper was just like, <gasps> maybe it was her first game ever. And then to have fireworks there, she was pretty happy. So she's been two two games this season so yeah fun uh as for me uh so with jiva's hair open so um my jiva theater season is now in swing so i'll be doing i think i'm covering 10 shows for them this year um and merry ground is 
closing down so or not closing down but winding down their season so i've got one more show left with them um a little bit of a uh, whirlwind the last couple days had a wedding that i covered yesterday i don't do many weddings and i only really do them for friends i just it's a lot of time on feet and a lot of work and um well i had two theater friends that asked me to do their wedding so i shot it yesterday and got home late last night and you're tired i'm just a bit wiped out because on top of that at the beginning of the week started with me walking into a car dealership and walking out with a new van that i'm going to be using for my adventure photography and i saw that so it was a big step of of what i needed to do and so i've been spending the week kind of just building out a little bit of the interior so that i actually have a place to sleep a place for my bike storage a place for my photography storage and then the rest can be finished at a later date. You just need to be finding a river to sleep by. Mm. I basically Live park by. it, park it wherever <laughs> you. Everybody says, "Yeah, the river, van down by the river." Yeah, yeah. sorry. I, I I think I've heard that a. Okay, fine. I'm not in the original. Five times. No, anyway. I just I think it's funny that everybody can you goes paint to it that. at least the outside. Oh, I am not painting the outside. Okay. At the a lot of the ones that people use for the um, their adventure vans or the vans that they convert into living, they're typically all of them are white, um, and most of that is for re- reflectivity of the sun to keep them cooler. I saw this gray one. There was a gray one, a black one, and a white one, and I saw the gray one, and it matched almost the color that I have for our Jeep already. And I like black, but I don't necessarily like like black. I like a dark gray. And so that's the color it was. It was there. And I said, what the heck? And I walked in and said, how much, you know, what can we do? And hmm. Monday evening I was driving it home. And uh, as of this morning, got most of the inside built out. And For what it's worth, Magical sorry. Mystery Tour is a bomb. They tried that out. It kind of bombed. So that's what I was thinking when I was thinking of the van. Oh, the outside. I wasn't thinking Scooby-Doo. I want to keep it as incognito as possible. <laughs> right. Of um, I mean, I'll have a bunch of stickers all over the back of it because that's just me and my stickers find a way. Um, but there won't even be like, I'm not going to put my logo on the outside outside of a sticker just sitting in the back. Well, that will explain so, what's in the van. Well, yeah. And even though if somebody tried to break in there, it'd be kind of hard for them to get into the back stuff because of how I built it out. It's now like, you have to get into the back seats or you or you have to open the back door to get into anything Smart. or have a screwdriver with you to unscrew about 50 screws to right. get back there. And if somebody's trying to do a smash and grab, they aren't going to take that much time. They're really looking for like, hey, what can we jump in and grab? So I've got curtains so you can't see into the back area. All you can see is really into the front. And I don't keep anything in the front that you can see except for water so if they really, 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 really want to water, <clears throat> they'll break it. <laughs> Tony, anything interesting? Well, How's I had my uh, ten-year reunion yesterday, oh. or all weekend. Started Friday. Ten years. Ten years at Nas. Yeah, <laughs> I feel old. So do I. Uh, so I, yeah, uh, college or high school? I just hit twenty. College. <laughs> Nas. Um, they uh, oh, had a family college. fun time, and Grace wanted to go because they had a carousel kind of kid thing. So that was cool. Um, hung up the president of college, Don Braveman, a little bit, which is always fun. So, um, yeah, his granddaughter, grandson. Name dropper. 
I told him I was going to mention him on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, but um, that's cool. Yeah, he took a picture with me. We hung out, we talked a little bit. Asked, he was asking me, "What are you doing now? What are you doing now?" So that's so exciting. Um, I'm going now in full throttle for hockey training. So I have a strength and conditioning coach, which means I'll be nice and loose and limber and flexible and yeah, beat up until February, and then I go on ice for officially on ice training in February. So yeah, fun. Also, I see Kendra almost every other day at work, which is nice. So she's, I, she said she, she loves her job, which is nice. She does, and the she's kids, good at it. Yeah, the kids love her, which is great. And she tells stories like she doesn't, of course. Yeah. She seems like a she really good tells, storyteller. She tells them without mentioning anything that she can't mention, obviously, but she mentions enough where I am in tears, of course, again. We have some great kids there. I cry a lot. Jeez. I think it's their hormones, probably. No, it's... Chemistry? I have an empathy you can be so over. <laughs> no, you can be overly empathetic. It's empathy actually overload is what it is. Yeah, it's okay. It's actually a condition. Did you know that empathy or if there's a condition, I have it. It's I have too much empathy, and so I just understand. Like, I tear up in connection with some things that happen on TV shows. The hormones probably do have something to do with it. As well. We're all empathetic. I mean, I'm an empath, so it just it makes sense. But what you said was accurate. Hard yeah. work, but rewarding. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. put her in that room for a reason because they know she can handle. Which is that. exactly what Karen said. Yeah. So they Hard know work. what she can do, and they said, "We want you to be succeed." So here you go. Yeah. I, I tend to find most people that work around children, or in that, tend to be pretty empathetic. Or loud, or kids themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, All of that, the above. That'd be Kendra. Well, there's, there's a see where we work. There's a caliber of or staff. There's people that you care about the kids, which there are very like about. 10% of us there actually do care about the kids. We go to love them. And, and the rest of us. And the people that manage the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's just us who are managing the people who are there for the money and driving us nuts because they're cutting corners and trying to do things that they shouldn't do. So. And she's telling me these stories. I keep thinking, how are you going to let these Kendra is going to be a leader someday like me. So it'll be fine. How is she going to let these kids go? She stays there and they watches them grow until they graduate. And then you she'll. You get used to it. She stays with the same ones? No. I know. That's if they, here's the thing. Ugh. If the parents like you and they know you care about their kids, like the, her teacher, her supervisor has been with those same kids for years. So if the team works, they'll keep the dream team together until those kids oh, leave. Oh, that's cool. If I she's didn't lucky. Know that. Yeah. That's nice. So, yeah, 10 year reunion. Kendra loves her job, which just makes me feel fuzzy and warm because I find a place for her to thrive and not stress out during the day and have art at night. Um, let's see what else. I'm writing a lot more. So. Little ones, um, growing. Uh, Sebastian's growing. He's getting. He has a sense of humor now. So he's um, looking at you and smiling, and then he, you look at him, and smile, stop, and like frown, and then he'll smile again. So he does a lot of yeah. It's, it's weird. Like he does these things on purpose. He's a clown. Gas pooping gas. No, these are like genuinely okay. like smiles. <laughs> like he's really like staring at you, smiling, and then you look at him, he'll stop and pout, and then squint at you, and then he'll start smiling again. So it's that whole like, aha, I got you kind of things. Um, Marnie, on the other hand, his sister is kind of going through her two, triple two and a half still and kind of pushing boundaries and yeah. So I recommend boundaries with children. Oh, I, I believe in, I believe in them. Did you read the book? No. There's boundaries with kids, boundaries with, uh, like, uh, spouses, boundaries with parents, 
I mean, there's a boundary book for everything, and they're fantastic books. My parents read the book about parenting. Grandparents should say grandparents and be grandparents and not provide advice to their kids that they don't need or don't overstep their advice. Because my mom has a habit of being overbearing with her desire to, what do you call that? <laughs> uh, her desire to <laughs> nurture and raise her grandchildren. So... um I said, Mom, I got this, but thank you. I appreciate it, but I can raise my own kids. You can give me advice, but if I don't agree with it, I don't want you behind my ear and still going at me about it. So Cousins have to work on that, too, sometimes. Yeah, my brother is raising one of his sons as vegan, and he's only a year old now, and everyone's going to give him non-vegan food, and I can squat the other hand, like, guys, he's a vegan, so you give him other food, it's going to make his stomach upset. Uh-huh. So he went to his cousin's house, and they were having a party, and they gave him Reese's, not Reese's, Rice Krispies, and... He got, came home sick. I said, oh, we don't know why he's sick. Maybe he just has the flu or something like that. I said, what did he eat? Oh, just the Rice Krispies. I said, well, he's never had sugar before of any kind. Oh, so he had pure sugar for the first time ever at a year and a month. And his stomach was torn up and just, that's why he was sick. But they didn't want to say, oh, he had nothing. He's fine. He just, I'm like, no, it's the sugar. It's the, he's not used to that. So let's, mm-mm. but he's a vegan. The kid is a vegan. So he doesn't know sugar, doesn't know so every yeah. time you take him somewhere, just put... Well, a, no, they have food for him. They no, said, this a vegan is shirt on. Mm. I'm a vegan. Anyway. I think it's too much. People should just respect what you want for your kid and not feed them what they shouldn't eat. And, but yeah, that's what happened to me. I'm, I'm not that exciting this week. I'll be exciting next time, I think. But just reunion, kids going bonkers, and my son being a clown. He's also a chick magnet, by the way, too. Literally, women come Babies to him. Babies are chick magnets. No, no, but see, here's the thing. It's like dogs and puppies. My friend puppies. Isaiah was at reunion, and his wife was there. But usually it's the mother my son's all after and cooing and wooing. But he saw my friend's daughter, and he was, like, staring at her. Like, he kept leaning in and looking at her. And I'm like, okay, I know you can't <laughs> see that well. But he's like literally, I mean, holding him, leaning his body weight forward toward her, looking at her. And I'm like, that sounds that's creepy. It is. I was like, a guy, creepy. stop. That's you're not only, a chick magnet. That's you're four months. Called but she was looking else. at him too. Like, she saw him first thing and stared at him. And then he started leaning in, looking at her too. And I'm like, okay, guys. Am I, I don't want to be this wrong? It's Are you weird. saying this wrong? It's, no, it's weird. Okay, that's. My son loves women to the point where he knows when a woman's around him and he'll instantly make eye contact with them. Are you talking about. Your son, my son is Sebastian. looking at somebody else. And out. then women will come toward him, and then he'll want to... It's just okay. a whole... I read that totally Womanizing. Wrong. I thought there was some... Never mind. No, my son is a womanizer, and he's only three months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we're moving on. Moving on. on that. Yeah. Uh, so, Valerie kind of summed up most of what you've done so far. Anything else exciting? Wendy? Mm. Well, our my big news at home was uh, trying to choose our fall musical because I direct the play at the high school. And we initially applied for rights to Carousel and they denied us um, at first. And I had to write them an appealing email explaining that uh, St. John High School is a We've got 125 students, grades 7 through 12. Our town is maybe 1,000 people, and that we are not going to pull revenue or um, Sell alter yeah, or alter anyone's experience from going to a larger production of it somewhere else. And because anything closer would be Kansas City, which is five hours to the east of us. And... They told me it was going to take a month for the appeal, and I started to get really panicked because that 
we our show is in November, and you can't take a month from here on out to do that because our kids are so busy and everything else. Our rehearsal schedule is very tight. And then no longer did they say that than the next day they gave us the rights. Sweet. So we were really excited. So that's what... Uh, are they going to send Josh Henry down to do some choreography? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But... Um, I, I would have made that request. <laughs> yeah. The, the kids, however, were... Um, a little disappointed to find out that Kendra was no longer in St. John and uh, that I said, well, I will be consulting her for set design and things like that. But yeah, she's, she's out trying to tackle the big world and not here in St. John anymore. So So anyway, that was our big news. Quick question. They initially rejected your application. Why? Because of your... They didn't give us a reason. And I just applied, I just appealed on the fact that... You know, make sure you know how small we are and that we're not going to make an impact because today is the final day of Carousel on Broadway. Yeah. That's why. And I have a feeling that that may have been an impact on that, but they're closing today. Makes sense. Yeah. Some some shows let licenses happen even if they're running something on Broadway uh, for a subset, but most don't. Even if it's like a revival back on Broadway, they'll cut off licensing until... We could do Hedwig next year. (laughs) Yes, sure. Mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Mm. Okay. All right. Well, let's move into the news. What do we got in the news? Looks like some, a few things. I don't, Wendy can say this one because I don't really, I don't watch Westworld, but Jason does. Uh, Yeah. Westworld's adding Aaron Paul. Um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I haven't researched that as much. So I don't know uh, what kind of role he might have. But I do know that the upcoming season sounds intriguing just from the final episode. Yeah, of we're season breaking two. out of the park now. So. Yes. And however, I found season two to be highly confusing. I don't know why. Maybe it was when I was watching it later in the it was, evening. But it seemed to it felt to me it was a much more disjointed timeline. Whereas the first one, definitely, you didn't know if it was a different timeline. It just kind of all of a sudden you're like, oh, at the end of the show, you're like, I'm watching two different timelines. So you go into season two, it's like these are definitely two different timelines, and we're watching the story played backwards. And like the whole like was the last two episodes were like. Uh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell where we were when we were half the time, so that was confusing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my wife often hears because she'll she'll go and watch. She loves her Grey's Anatomy, so she'll go and watch Grey's Anatomy like on repeat for the fifteen thousandth time on Netflix on her iPad, and she'll hear me from the living room. What the? What the? What the hell is that? Just constantly during that show, just because you're like, are you kidding me? Just like these little tiny little twists that you're like, oh, okay, well that, well now they just threw that up, but give up. Yes. Did we cover this last week, Bond 25? I don't think. The last thing we talked about Bond was we, they lost the director. Right. And. um, This is presumably his last time. Does that mean it might not be? He. He said at the at the end of the last one that he wasn't coming back to do Bond twenty five because he had he injured himself pretty bad during 
uh, filming of the other one, and he just said it would take a lot for him to come back and film one more. But he did confirm somewhere over the last year or so that he was coming back, and Danny Boyle was supposed to be the director, and so he, that, I think that was kind of the last little push of him to be signed on for doing 25, but Danny Boyle is now not the director. Because they have created differences? Something. I think there was a casting in one of the, the choices, and Danny Boyle decided to step away from it because of one of the casting choices. So now it's going to be 2020 instead of 2019. Yeah, we get pushed back another year. Um, well, at least a few months. Wasn't it the original writer who wrote the original script before Danny came on? Like, aren't they back now? Like the old crew that was there originally? Didn't they bring them back? Or I'm not sure. I haven't. I was hearing mixed things. Read read too much the last two weeks. So okay. it's my, not called Bond Twenty Five. It's just no. Not it's named just yet. yeah. Every time until they have a name, they usually just give them numbers. Checking. Okay. Because I was yeah. like, that's lame. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because this was part of our. We were talking about um, uh, what's his name? Danny or something? no? The oh, one, uh, we're talking about uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris. Yes, um, being Bond was being talked about by being the next Bond, not for twenty five, but for twenty six. And when they pushed this back to twenty twenty, I'm like, okay, well, it on average the Bond films are taking almost five years coming out, and so if you're saying twenty and you're adding another three to five years, you're looking at 2023 to 2025. Idris Elba would be, is a great physically in shape guy, but he's not at that age what you would consider a Bond. I mean, Sean Connery was already retired from Bond at the age that Idris Elba would be as uh, coming out in those years. So that kind of like threw Idris Elba out of the mix. But the talk that I heard was, what was the other guy? Tom Hiddleston. No, it was a um, it was an African American actor. You mean uh, uh, Daniel? Uh, was it? I think it was, was it Daniel Glover. Danny Glover? No, he, not Daniel. No. no, Daniel Glover. You mean Glover's son? No, no, no he's on uh, the upcoming actor. He's um, oh, sorry, Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Yeah. He, yeah, he does the show Atlanta he's on, on FX. He's on the uh, not Mission to Mars, but I know you mean he's in that Mars movie um, with. Matt Damon plays a genius kid. So I've heard his name. I've heard Michael B. Jordan's name. Michael B. Jordan, I don't think, could play a Bond. Glover, I could see playing a Bond after watching him play um, Larisso. Yeah. uh, Or Lando in uh, Solo. (laughs) I think he would make a very good Bond. So there's a a small little window. window. But uh, in other news... Burt Reynolds died. Yes. Oh, that was, I was devastated, <laughs> frankly. Were you really? Yes. Because I've watched him in so many things, including um, Gunsmoke, which I loved him in Gunsmoke and um, the, yeah, the early years. I remember walking in when I my dad was that. watching Gunsmoke and I walked in. I'm like, what? Is is that Burt? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> to see such a young Burt Reynolds was crazy. Yeah. Oh. You didn't know he died? Yes, I knew oh. he died. I was not <laughs> devastated. No. I didn't know she was devastated. I feel bad. Well, and I'm my biggest sorry. connection was, you know, Smokey and the Bandit, yes. even though I like always I confused like, the that he was actually the Bandit, not called Smokey. <laughs> right. I was thinking about, you know, his chicks and how they felt. Oh. He's know. always been like, you know, he the him in that mustache. Yeah. How did Sally Field feel? 
How does Lonnie Anderson feel? Debbie Reynolds. Well, she's not feeling. <laughs> well, and somebody said, too, that means I guess he won't be oh, in the next cannonball run. Yeah. <laughs> Best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, uh, he's in that other movie, too, that I can't stand. Boogie Nights? Uh-huh. Why can't you stand that movie? I, I just, I just can't. That's, that's, it's okay. I just can't. That's all. It's okay. I have no hard connections to that movie. And he's so. also in Striptease, correct? Don't he plays know. a complete sleazebag in that movie, too. I don't know. I wasn't into his more recent work or the later years. I was, I was an earlier years fan. I'm definitely an earlier years fan. Definitely. His later movies, I wasn't, I wasn't really into. And another thing that died or has actually been put in on an indefinite hold, the Oscars popular category. Are you going to blame somebody? I am. Am I going to blame somebody? No. Go for it. Well, there's two people I heard were the cause of that, Spielberg and Dern. So I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying they were probably very vocal about it during a I, I, meeting. So. I think it was more than just two people. It was a very, very vocal portion of Hollywood. In, that is at that board. I don't know if like when they went to vote to go release, let's have a popular vote that these people were not at the meeting or were asleep at the meeting. Um, you want, okay. I just want to make sure that I understand correctly. You want an Oscar to go to the movie that grosses the most money or sells the most tickets? No, no. I, my, I would have, if they went ahead with this, my definition of what I think would have been a good area to go would to be to split the movies into market. So if you have a movie that's only been opened at five, maybe ten theaters versus a movie that was released in, let's say, March or April and it was at 300 to 500 theaters, that it's hard for... <sighs> Give an example. All right. Shape of, Shape of Water would be as close as I can get right now. Um, so Shape of Water was opened right at the end of the year, right before Oscar cutoff. Mm -hmm. And it was only released to a very few select ones so that it can make the Oscar cutoff and didn't really open up to a wide release until, what was it, end of January, almost beginning right. of February. It was almost time for Oscars before the average person who could actually go to the theater to see a movie like that was able to see it. So it was released in like New York City, um, Texas, Chicago, and L.A. in very few theaters. And then it was all of a sudden it was nominated for a Best Oscar. But everybody who is in the Oscar, who votes for the, who's on the Academy. Thank you. Would receive a copy of it, correct? Mm, right. Yes. But what I'm pointing out is you the the key of what they want to do is make make the Oscars um make the Oscars greater grant. No. Uh, make the Oscars relatable in a way that helps people under, like you you're nominating a movie that most people didn't even have a chance to go see. So you're putting it up against a movie like, uh, 
I guess Logan would have been the best example that it was brought out in February of March of the year before. And that was released to a big 300 to 400, 500 market share of Logan things. Logan was represented. Right. But it was released so early in the year and it was released to many, many theaters that by the time you get to the Oscar season, it's kind of gets put on the back burner. And so what I would have been comfortable with if they decided to do that was to say, okay, if a movie is going to be released in less than, let's say, 50 theaters, all right, they kind of, you have basically independent film category, and then you have full market share category. Not so much a popular film category, but more one that's like, hey, everybody in the United States, basically, if you had a theater near you, you had a chance to go see this movie. And why does that matter? Why not? I think maybe it's to make the Oscars popular, more popular. Right. Because as a, as a person who um, really likes the Oscars because I like film, I would say yeah. living in central Kansas, I probably saw and, and, half I think of that's the movies where I was, that were. I'm trying I mean, to go with that is that like by the time it comes to up the Oscars, a lot of people like to go and see the Oscar movies. But if you live someplace where these Oscar movies aren't available, you, you can't yeah. see them. Yeah. Because most of the ones that were up for Best Picture, I couldn't even see unless I had gone clear to Kansas City or something that, because it was only regionally released. And, and so, not. but they're never it's not, going to have. No, uh, it's because the market's changed. You know, they're, and I'm not saying let's say, oh, you made a billion dollars. We're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna automatically get it in there. No, it's more so. Hey, you released to X amount of theaters. And you're an A-plus film instead of, hey, here's five A-plus films that only released to 10 to 15 theaters. We're going to give them recognition and we're going to push all these other ones out. I'm telling you, they're going to be A-plus films that were released to uh, I'm sorry, there's thousands some stu- and thousands there's of some stuff that, that were, are not released in Kansas. There's some stuff on that in list. In Kansas. Okay. Um, there was some stuff on that list last year that should not have been on the list. Oklahoma. Or- so... Uh, I'm just saying it's a way. It would be a way for them to. For example, I, I'm not going through the list. Right, we already go back to the Oscar thing, and you, I've got my list in there. Okay. Um, there were a couple of them in there, but it's it's a, a way to balance out the the bigger movies versus the smaller independent movies. I don't, but you. This is this kind of goes against your whole thing about. Netflix, too. I mean, you want the smaller movies to be able to, like, the smaller movies to be able to be seen and to be heard. But now you're saying, now you don't want them to be counted if they don't come out in time and they're not That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, with the Netflix thing, with the, um, if they aren't going out into the movie theaters, is that what you're saying? Remember about the whole Netflix? That Spielberg was saying that he doesn't think that um, right. that Netflix and streaming movies should be counted as films because they're on a different platform. They're not on a big but you're, screen. You're, you're, you're taking my words the wrong way. I'm not saying they shouldn't be counted as films. I would still count, consider those the best films. It's it's recategorizing how the, the category, category would work. work, how that popular category would work. It wouldn't be, hey, you made a billion dollars. It'd be more like, hey, you open to three to five hundred theaters. 
here is your category. You open to X amount of theaters, but it trickles down into the, hey, if you opened up to 500 theaters and you're the best of the best, you're getting put in this category regardless. Right. It just, there were some things that opened up to very, very few theaters that I just, I wouldn't have put on the list. So. Okay. Baby Boss. But, um. Sorry. What? I said Baby Boss, but that's a. Um, oh my God. <laughs> Um, well, that wasn't on the best picture yeah, list. It wanted to be. Um, it wanted to be? Most animated films try to get on best picture because they're, I mean, Toy Story, I think it was the last really good animated film that made best picture, but it didn't win. They made a category just for it because yeah. it was competing. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this, I guess, still. I, I think their terminology of coming out and saying popular film category is what threw it in the wrong That's direction. That's what threw me in the wrong direction. Yeah. They needed it. Like high school. I just I think there's many movies out there that need to get recognition for what they're doing to the movie industry as a whole, because they are making the and making it possible for those ones that only can get out to five or ten movie theaters and actually make a film. They're made, being made possible because there is a market out there that they can tap into. So instead of popular, it should have been wide market and and small market or something. There, there's a way to do it. I think there just needs to be a lot of discussion and, and better way to figure it out. Because you can't look at a film for like this series and this year and say, hey, every time I say series, she thinks I said series. <laughs> Apple. Um, and I'm not saying it's the best film of the year. I'm just saying of what it's done to the market is, is a film like Black Panther. Um. It was a pretty solid film through and through, but it will will it get any recognition as a top contender? No. By the time the end of the year come out, probably not. And there will be, out of the list of 10, there will be three to four films I have never heard of. And it's because the market was so small and they're just being put out, whether they go through the Toronto Film Festival and then get shoved into something. But it gives more of a legitimate chance also to those that do come through um, Netflix or Amazon an ability to say, oh, they're considered a small market. So now they can actually get a proper nod into a category. But there are some movies that are nominated for Academy Awards that people are just not going to see no matter what. Right. Even if they've heard of them or not. So you may have heard of them, but decided that's I'm not going to go to that right it could be but true but talk I don't about think, small small town Kansas I don't think Kansas. that means that it just how many how many theaters do you have in your town none none we have to drive at least 30 minutes okay and then how many theaters are at that 30 one i mean there's how many screens there are i think six screens and okay. are they going to show anything that's not perhaps later i mean way later than when so they're most initially likely released. anything that's on the oscar nominated list you probably wouldn't be able to see until three to six months after the oscars most may likely. chance maybe right mm-hmm. so they're doing commercial and films so what and you're going to see is stuff that are popular like big mass money, like, yeah well and the other thing is too is when they do bring in some of those shows it lasts one week rental because fees. nobody mm-hmm. wants to go see those shows and so then they're gone because, so it's a small window of time. 
Mm. Sad. And I don't think that means there are still movies that people are going to go to, whether or not they ride the release or limited release. That doesn't, it's still, it's going to not be, it's, that's why popular doesn't make sense. It's a high school category. Yeah, the, the popular definition was the wrong way for them to go about it. And nobody ever really put out like, hey, this is what we're thinking and where we're trying to go with it. But I think there needs to be something in the way that the animated feature um, was added, the same way that the documentary films are or the short films. There needs to be a way. That's a totally different type of thing. What do you mean? Because this is a completely different type of film. We're just talking about the name. But it wasn't considered a different type of film for what? 10? 15? Was it when did they release the animated? It was but animated. Obviously, has seven. Was that people that draw it? Like Toy Story one came out or in ninety six, right? Something around that time. So actors. I mean, Snow White. I think won Best Picture way back when, but Toy Story came out in the mid nineties, like a little. Right, but they were always, you know, you're always being competing against regular live action action films and that had a more of an artsy. Then watch Field. the MTV Awards. That's what my dad okay. said. We can argue about this all the time. You're not getting where I'm trying to go with this. I'm not trying to make it a popular film category. I'm saying what they were trying to do with it was headed in the wrong direction. There needs to be a different category that addresses these type of films. These maybe they should be films. out for a certain... Maybe they should be out longer before they're considered, like... Maybe they should be out, released for oh, at least. Plot, the applications for, well, okay. that would that would fall right into wide release versus limited release. Almost everything that's coming out on that short release window right before the Oscars would be considered a limited release. What I'm saying is, why why couldn't they just say to be considered to be on the best Oscar to be, best picture list? You have to be at least in the theaters for what? X amount of months? Five weeks. weeks, 10 weeks. Well, there already is things in place for that. But they're limited release, so they only have to release them in 10 theaters. That That's their, that's their Oscar thing. So what that's the same is, thing with like Netflix. That's how a Netflix movie can get nominated. That's how Mudbound got in there because they had to well, put it on I don't on have 10. a problem with them saying that they need to be in for 10 weeks and they need to hit this many theaters. Is that what you're saying? They need to hit at least... No. Which one? 500 theaters? That's already there. You're not going to release a movie like Shape of Water in 500 theaters before Christmas, before Oscar time cutoff. It's just not going to happen. It's an art movie that is maybe cost a couple million dollars to make, is only going to make a couple million dollars in, in return. We can talk about it forever. Yeah. Yes. Let's okay, let's move on. We'll agree to disagree at this moment. It's all right. So what else we got? Brie Larson has images coming up for Captain Marvel. That was exciting. We've been waiting for the real ones for a very long time. Finally, but still no trailer. Seven. I see a lot of fan-made ones. They look awesome. So I'm hoping that the film actually is awesome because I saw a Green Lantern trailer and that was so much better. I think Nathan Fillon was in that fan-made trailer. He wasn't really in it, but someone cut up a whole bunch of Nathan Fillon movies and TV shows and made a really awesome Green Lantern trailer. And then... Ryan Reynolds' version came out and it was pretty bad. So. Who is she going to play? Brie? She's Captain Larson Marvel. is Captain Marvel. I didn't know that Captain Marvel was a female. Many people Are don't. you biased? Captains only should be men? No. <laughs> I really thought that Captain Marvel was a man. 
He My is in too. DC. Yeah. Okay. He's also known as Shazam. Oh, okay. There's two. They yeah. It's weird. Yeah, okay. It's no, I'm not. The weird comment. <laughs> Give me a break. Am I okay? No. Yes, Captain Marvel. Um, Brie Larson. Cool. Okay. Yeah, she's uh, she was a captain, Air Force captain pilot. Yes. Um, so that's where she gets her captain cool. from. But she's basically she's alive and existing in the Marvel universe. She just has been MIA. And so Captain Marvel is actually going to take place during the 80s and early 90s. And so we'll go back in time. And we got Nick Fury with two eyes. Again. <laughs> and a lot of the baddies from the Guardians of the Galaxy universe are going to get mixed in. So I'm looking forward to it. I've been waiting for a Captain Marvel movie since they started making Marvel movies. Uh, Doctor Who season 11 premieres October 7th with uh, the new Doctor. I want to go on a mini rant about this. I still think that we live in an age and a day where we can watch this series at the same time as the British people. I'm not sure why we can't because we're waiting a whole year and a half when they can watch. It's just a, my British friend tease me. Repeatedly. BBC America. I know, but not, Apple know. TV. I just watched BBC America. I can watch it like the next day. I mean, it's for the lay person who doesn't have BBC America. Just well, that's waiting. because they pump it through PBS. So you're waiting. You're waiting for the PBS. Yeah, nice piece theater. But, yeah. yeah, sad. Just ran over. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. My sister-in-law Sarah, who don't get mad at me because I'm going to put you out there, said she doesn't want a female doctor and she's not excited at all. Um, she went on a whole rant about it for two hours straight. Just, just I'm like, can I say anything? Nope. So went from not costume. Yeah. I was not a Peter Capaldi fan. I wasn't either. Um, however, I love, and I'm sorry, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but I loved her work on Broadchurch, so I can't wait to see what she's going to do. I like gonna, her. I can't wait to see what she's going to oh, bring to Yes. Oh. The one who played the mother. Jodie. Yeah, I like her a lot. Jodie Whittaker. She's a fantastic actress. Yeah, and like I said, I, I really didn't care for Peter Broad Capaldi. I love Broadchurch. And... Uh, so I'm looking forward. I, I love awesome. what little tease I got in the trailer of her. So it's coming a lot sooner than anticipated. So October 7th, instead of waiting for another Christmas to come by and wait. And Downton is coming back as a movie, so that's exciting. But then again, I feel like I'm the only Downton fan still around. So. Uh, there's no. two of them here. Good. Like all of the theater yes. community. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward I'm about to it. the only one in the theater community who isn't a fan. It took a while before we get into it, but I like it. So it's just it's too slow. Sorry, that's okay. It's yeah. slow, but it's I, you know there are, are slow things I like watching. Right, it's slow in a way that I would rather watch an old lady drink tea. Wow, the queen can drink pretty fast, so you can. That you, happens you, on there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That would be more exciting. I can be less it, it popular seems, than it you. It feels like a soap opera it set has in its moments. the... In a way. And yeah. I 19, just... 12, yeah. It has its moments. The queen, right? The, the yeah. Claire... Yeah. The, the one on Netflix. Yeah. The crown. The crown. Yes. The crown. <sighs> there is one that's the queen. That's a movie. Season two kind of dragged <laughs> for me, but I still um, watched it. So. Yeah. That's my Downton Abbey for you. Crown? Yeah. Season one was so much you better. You didn't like it? I just, it did not make me want to go, oh, 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 
Gotta get the next one. Gotta get the next I think it's one. well I acted. I think I made it through maybe five episodes and I, I haven't gone back to it. And, and now they're better. like getting ready for season three with actors. And I was like, people love it. They go crazy over it. And I. She plays Jason. the new girl with the dra- the girl dragon with the tattoo. dragon tattoo. Claire yeah. Foy took over that role. Because Claire is no longer in the crown. Her and Matt are leaving the crown and they have new people She's now. also in First Man. Because they changed the oh, that's right. time period. Yes. Right. And yes. She Jeez. is Ryan Gosling's wife, right? Yep. In First Man. Lucky yes. bitch. I just heard two different <laughs> things there. So I heard yup and something else. So, okay. That was clever. We're timing. So, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, and one last piece of news from me, um, Henry Cavill, who was in the news a lot this week for, is he leaving Superman? Is he not leaving Superman? Frankly, I don't care about that right now. I care that he was actually cast as Geralt in Netflix's The Witcher. Um, so we are actually getting a, Witcher is a, a game that was on PlayStation and it was phenomenal game. And in the middle of... Two weeks ago, somebody came out with a image of here's what Henry Cavill would look like as this dude. And it was just spot on. And then within two days, there was a, hey, guess what? Henry Cavill was just hired as the, the lead for The Witcher. And um, the fact that it's going to be a Netflix show is even kind of cooler. So so that's my last piece of news. Anybody I'm else? Not sure how I feel about Henry being, I mean, I like him as Superman. I'm just not sure if he, he's like doing other things that are not Superman-like. So I guess he's breaking oh, the cast I, mold completely. And Like like I said, you know, the uh, the spy movie that he was in. Uh, Man from Uncle? Or Man from Uncle was phenomenal in terms of how he played a spy. It was perfect for Mission Impossible. I think, I think he's a great actor. He brings a yeah. lot of strength to his role. And uh, it'll be fun to see him just dial it back. To be girl. Okay. So that wraps up the news. Longer than we wanted, but here we go. All right. Uh, Oh, no. We got some trailers. News is not over. We got, I got, I can sum it up really quickly if you want for mine too. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch has a new trailer. Yes. Creepy, 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 Um, but exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Netflix dropped that, I think, yesterday or sometime, but I saw it yesterday. It was. Good, but I was creeped out. I was watching it in the dark at night in my bed. I'm like, wow, this is weird. What? Did what not- did you watch? Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, has a nice theme song. Um, has a new teaser from Netflix coming out, and it's kind of eerie, like really like sinister and just like the, watching the It was the in craft. my queue, and I did not get back to actually looking at it. And uh, The only image I saw was with her standing in the middle of the woods. I was like, oh. Gotta see this. Um, also, the Romanoffs has a. Do you trailer. remember Sabrina, teenage the teenage witch, witch that used Joan to be a, uh, Melissa yeah. Joan Hart? Yeah, like, they're so making a serious version. Okay, um, good on Netflix. I actually remember the comic book that aged yeah. me a little. <laughs> so they're taking a little bit more of a serious, dark turn with okay, it. Okay, because I was like, like the crap. I, I didn't good. watch that show. It's TGIF Friday. You know, it's old school stuff for me. I guess. I feel old now. Um, also, um, the Romanoffs is a anthology series about people who think they are descendants from the Romanoff family in Russia. So it should be really good. I think I saw our friend. Is it Meet the Rona- Romanoffs? <laughs> like, meet the parents. Meet the Romanoffs. <laughs> Could be. Um, what's his name? He's in um, 
our favorite Warframe, Dunkirk. He's also in Jerusalem. He has two Tony Awards and two Oscars, Bridge of Spies. I'm not getting his name, but... Uh, oh, Mark... Um, oh. Mark Rylance, I think is yeah, in it. Mark Rylance. I think. Mm-hmm. Saw his face for a second. He's in that. He is? No, I said he's in that. I looks like I saw his face. Mark? I saw a, fa- a flash. I said, is that Mark? I don't know, but yeah. I thought... I think wouldn't he wouldn't surprise be. me. But it looks good. My wife's going to watch it with me because she's all about Russian history and the Romanovs and... When Rusty does that come out? I didn't get a date. I just saw the trailer, so I shouldn't look up that. But Netflix is on a roll because they also released um, two other ones, like Daredevil yes. season three trailer. Yeah. Yes. So I'm really pumped for that one because now, like, I don't know if you, did you see the trailer? Just no, him in the confessional room in me. all black, oh, and just blood dripping from his face, oh, and it's like I've got to watch that. Um, and then so, the other one that I'm really like pumped Charlie. out because I'm a sucker for Westerns um, and I'm a sucker for when the Westerns and Coen Brothers combine. Um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, it's dropping on November 16th as a surprise. Um, it kind of made its way into a couple of the festivals and it's That's got cool. Tim Blake Nelson, James Franco, Brendan Gleeson, Liam Neeson and Tom Waits. Um, and it looks phenomenal. It's beautifully shot. You know, if you've seen a Coen Brothers film, you know it's going to be beautifully shot. And the fact that it's just you know, they're embracing that small market release. Say, hey, we're going to release it in a couple of festivals and we're going to release it on Netflix. So here you cool. go. Um, so I'm, yeah, that's one of my ones that I'm most excited for now Ooh. that, you know, just kind of surprise drop. Who's shooting it? Do we know? Is it their usual guy? Is most it? likely. I don't think they've really mm-hmm. gone outside of that. Okay. Just checking. Prime has a new one. Prime? Yeah. Amazon Prime has a show, Homecoming, with Julia Roberts. Sissy Spacek is playing her mother, I guess. Um, And basically, it seems to be a mystery or some type of thriller, but Julia Roberts uh, helps soldiers adapt back to civilian life, but they keep asking questions and... uh, Dermot Milroney is they're back together from um my best friend's my wedding. best friend my best friend's wedding. Thank you. My brain's not working. My best friend's wedding. So that will start. Uh and then well, they had another first man trailer drop, so we I watched that one. Uh did I tell you what movie was it? I got chills watching it. I, th- I think it was Mission... Yeah, because I took Mission Impossible. I went and saw that in IMAX. They showed a like brief three to five minutes of 70 mil of First Man. Mm. I, I, it's got to be the only way to go see it. I know. I mean, full on filmed in... I know. Like, yeah. I mean, I got goosebumps just watching the trailer just because I... It looks horrifying for one. It's terrifying because that's my worst nightmare. Trapped in something you can't get out of. Go to space camp for four years. And you, yeah, are getting, yeah. It's fun, but Possibly could die. Well, you're on a candlestick, as they say. It's a very, very volatile, explosive candlestick. The thing right before them, everyone died. It's just. Apollo 1? Did it really, uh, did it really go out on the the 13th day of the month? I believe so. I Apollo 13, you. you mean? Yeah, Apollo 13. 
they said that it went out that it that it went up the four, the thirteenth day of the month. I hope it wasn't Friday. That was I. That's everybody made it home, so I'm glad that that wasn't a bad no, joke. No, it launched on April 11th. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. It probably was heading toward the moon and that uh, deorbit burn button pushes by on the 13th, but it takes three days to get there. So two or three days to get to the moon. So it could have been ready to go on the moon orbit on the 13th. But I know, I watched, we watched bad. Some bad footage. April 11th, though. Okay. Hmm. April 11th. Hmm. Okay. Well, our short show is turning into a long show. <laughs> we got this. Let's roll into our recommendation list. Okay. Let's go first. I can go first. Um, so we're talking about Ron Howard today and his films. So I thought I would watch one of my favorite films of his. I have a, a few, actually. By a few, I mean three. But this one, I think, was his one of his first directorial d- debuts. It was The Night Shift, or Night Shift. Um, it's Michael Keaton's first leading role. Has Ron's co-star from Happy Days, Henry Winkler, and also has Shelley Long in it. And it's a laugh-out-loud comedy. It's about two... Morgue attendants who decided they're going to open a brothel inside of the morgue that they work in late at night, thus night shift. Um, it's a very humorous, dark romp for me. So it's something I can feel I feel guilty about laughing about, but it's just that funny. And you see Michael Keaton just being outrageously bold and eccentric, and you see Henry being bookish and nerdish and in his own skin. And it's nice seeing where they come from. Michael's kind of been, I think he's gotten more serious over time, and Henry's gotten more wide open. Since watching him on Arrested Development, I've seen him just be out there too. And they're both good at comedy in his film. So I'd recommend this film to watch over and over and over again. And if you need a laugh, you should watch it. You can find it on Amazon. You can buy it or rent it. And you can probably find it in Walmart at the bottom of the bin for $5 too. Um, I got it, and it was like in 4 by 3 which is, you know, not 16 by 9 or cinemas, but... uh. Still, watch it. Good. Okay. I am, what am I, I'm 40 minutes from finishing <laughs> um, Ozark season two. I couldn't get it finished. That, that's pathetic. But um, I lost sleep over it. Jason was losing, losing sleep over I mean, the man was leaving and we were... Well, we can't stop there. Mm-hmm. And you had to like, okay, okay, we have to get to the next episode. So I was excited that I liked it, that it kept my interest as much as season one did. That was, I mean, I at least was interested in, in figuring out, okay, let's see what's going on, what's going on. So I, I liked that part. Um, I did finish Castle Rock season one. Um, it does sound like you're saying Fraggle Rock or it's like something like School Rock. No. Okay, Down it's not, Castle Rock. Not the same thing. So Castle Rock season one. I love the series. Uh, the, the last two to three episodes actually were very different than the episodes that precede them. So they've got all the episodes are up now? Right. Okay. I'm not done, am I? No, I was just asking all the, they've got all the episodes. I don't think I'm done. Shoot. A bug. Okay. So I. Because um, I'm not going to go back and watch them until all the episodes are done because it's that whole like. <sighs> Man, wait okay, a week. I forget that, that they do it that way. 
So this is on Hulu, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is on Hulu, and I forget. They're not like Netflix, and they don't release them all. So when I, um, Dustin was in town, we and uh, and Kendra, we all got in. We were like watching him, watching him, watching him. Okay, we're going to get it finished. And then we realized, oh, they don't. They're still releasing them. Oh, my gosh. And he doesn't get Hulu, but he probably does now. Um, there were 10 episodes. There's 10 episodes. Oh. So the last one was Romans. I think I'm on nine. So I think I have one more to go, maybe. It was just released three days ago. Yep. I didn't watch that. Okay. So I got, I have one more to go. So she's 40, <sighs> 80 minutes away from finishing two seasons. Uh, anyway, but... um. I I recommend it honestly to anyone who loves Stephen King. Um, Is even, there been enough pull from the different Stephen King books that you can you're mentally like grabbing him? I think they did the most popular. I think they did. I mean, but and I think that they have Easter eggs for those who are diehards. Diehards, because I love his stuff, but I have not read. I, I mean not even close to everything he's written. Um, so yes, they pull from things, but um, I, you can actually go on and it'll tell you there's a website that tells you um, every single little Easter egg. Yep. Of, so I, I appreciated from like the first, was it two episodes in or three episodes in just I, Shawshank is one of my favorites. Wait a minute. Can and I see it? all the little things that he pulled from Shawshank, but then all the stuff that were in the short story that weren't in the movie that were kind of mixed in, I thought were cool. And then like... When did you f finish? Did they start getting really confusing for you? Um, it was... They were... She was in her house and she was getting... I wouldn't say haunted, but she was being yes, followed okay. by the... Um, Okay. Spirit that wasn't right. actually there. That was the last episode I remember. You know, I watched, I watched one not too long ago with Kendra actually. So I, I don't know if I watched a lot. I think, I think it's possible that I did watch the last, I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that the last one I watched, I thought, what? Seriously, you're going to have a huge, what? Just What? I like those moments. Okay, well, you're going to have that moment. So I recommend I, I like watching those. stuff that I'm, you know, most stuff I can be ahead of story-wise and be like, yeah, I know where this is going or where it's heading. Nope. I like stuff that just, and it, it happens more and more with the serialized stuff is that if it's got a good writer behind it. I said it earlier like, on, but then it was like, um, then I thought, nah. And then, but I mean, just like a hair wrong, but yeah, it was still a, a, a totally confusing. Oh my gosh, what happened? I still don't understand. They still make it confusing. Without, without watching it right now, I'm still, who is Henry Davers? Is he actually the guy that's in the cage or is he the black kid? And that's everything where you're going to get a what? That's where you're going to get That's where I'm like leaded right now. It's like. Is he really Henry Davers or is Henry Davers has the he one said that was the, been Has he up? said the sentence, I waited for you for 21 years? Because he says that sentence 
And I'm, I'm, I might be mixing two episodes up, but I mean, it was pretty much one of his last conversations with him in the jail still. Oh. And then he can't hang up. But it. Anyway, I'll, so anyway. As my weeks open up, I'll be digging through more of them. I, okay. I really liked what I saw, and it was more of those. I can't do this, watch one a week, and then wait a week, then wait a week. I am a binger through Are and through when they come to series. Big time thinking so that. That's why I wanted to know. We're done. <laughs> and then Dustin was like, wait a minute. They're still coming out. Yeah. I'm pissed at you. Because like I did, I stuck on Stranger Things, and they didn't get it done. So then they got Netflix when they got home. And he said, "Oh God!" I said, "Well, you can get you know Hulu for a little while, and you don't you, you just get and you get Hulu for was that ten day trial, thirty ten day, day trial? trial, finish it up. They might have moved it to thirty day trial." He said, it has commercials, right? I just said, keep changing your email address until you run out of email addresses. <laughs> nice. God, the nice. only thing that they don't like the uh, registering it with different devices. So if you have it like Apple TV or something registered on, they don't like doing that. No. But if you wanted to watch it on the web, just. Okay. That's all I have. <laughs> That's all? Well, Kendra and I had okay. some, some movie monster. Mm. The monster. They came out. The one with Charlize Theron? Monster? No, 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 not Monster. Oh, no, Haley Berry. Haley Berry, not Charlize. No, no, no. There's no. a monster with Charlize Theron. That's what she won an Oscar with uh, Richie's in a film with her. Okay, no. This is a scary movie. This is just some scary movie where they go out, they're driving, and the, something is in the woods. and Sounds like a B movie. We just wanted to be scared. So we watched it. What was it? It's on Netflix. <laughs> That's it. What was the other movie that uh, is now out for rent? The one that you really, really liked? Heritage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's now, it came across my rental thing and I had a chuckle remembering back actually, to your Kendra conversation. Kendra said that she could probably watch it now. Now that it's on like a t- like small, you can watch a, a small, small screen. screen. Like so, I think she is up for watching it now. So Just make sure Jason's out of the room. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, well, he's gonna be gone, so we could watch while he's right. gone. Um. So yeah, with the crazy last couple of weeks, I haven't really gotten a lot in. Um. As I mentioned, Spider Man came out in addition, so it's been pulling some of my time from actually finishing up. Some of these things. So the only show I was actually able to finish was Iron Fist, um, season two. Um, Iron Fist season one was a mixed bag of what the hell. Um, the biggest complaint, and I think I might have mentioned it here before, is that it, the it was way too many episodes. Um, Danny Rand's universe does not have enough. I think it was 13 episodes. Okay, thank you. Um, and this is something I think in general, the Marvel Netflix is finally learning that we, even though you might have some content or whatnot to tell over 13 stories, it is much easier to scale it back to 10 or eight and make a really tight story. And season one was complete shit show, um, (laughs) all over the place. Um, Danny Rand's character did not feel polished. I know he was supposed to be kind of learning his way, but he felt 
even when he came back to New York City, he still felt like a spoiled brat kid, not somebody who had just spent the last 10 years, 10 years, I think, of his life in Kunlun. Um, he wouldn't have had that much of an attitude coming back to New York City. And so there was kind of like that whole mix. And then you throw in the other two um, that basically were his de facto siblings, um, the wards and or ward and um, his sister, ward and his sister. I'm, I'm so sorry. I am so tired. My head is fried here. Um, but I did mention at, I don't, it was either here or I mentioned to a bunch of friends that at the end of season one, the one thing I foresaw was that Colleen Wing was actually going to take on the Iron Fist. Um, it just felt like everything was setting this up to push Danny and f- actually make a person. I'm sorry. It's I know okay. she doesn't want spoilers, but I'm, I'm right. a spoiler person. And um, it's the only way I can talk about this one. Um, it's okay. Marvel's been spoiled a lot lately. Because <laughs> I think. I think Colleen Wing's character was the best part of season one. She was refined. She was a kick-ass character. And I just felt like that that she, the whole season one, should have been the Iron Fist or the person holding the Iron Fist. And we move into season two, shorter season, 10 episodes. Um, Danny does not have the shit show that he had going on in season one. He is somebody who seems very humbled as to what happened between what happened in Defenders and coming back here. Um, he had a little cameo in the Luke Cage thing that kind of gave you a, an inkling as to, oh, either somebody really looked at that story and said something majorly needs to be changed or he had a very big come-to-Jesus moment in between Defenders and here because he is definitely a person who is – honest in searching out what it means to be a superhero and what it means to control the power you have. And what do you do when you lose it? Now, if you were given the power to change the world and all of a sudden somebody just ripped it from you. And that's what basically happens is Davos, his brother from Kunlun comes in, exacts his revenge, takes the iron fist from him. And it's Danny coming to grips with, we need to stop Davos and the murder rage and the killing that he's doing because Davos in his mind, you know, you think to Thanos and Thanos like, I want to kill half of everything because it's for the good of the world. Davos in that same sense, which I don't know what it is with the villains in the Marvel world. They all have this same sense that killing half of everybody or doing good in their mind is actually the evil. Um, and so Danny enlists Colleen and they work at trying to, you know, overcome this. And the big kicker is um, to get it back. Danny actually convinces Colleen to take on the Iron Fist and it is one of the coolest moments. I'm like, I was just like yelling. I think it was like 1030 at night through the house. I'm like, yeah, it was like, it, you know, it was well deserved and it was well needed. And sorry, I sound like it was well needed for you. It, it was, was because it was well needed. I, I th- <laughs> they need to figure out what needs to happen with the Danny Rand character and the closing tail end of what happened with. And I'll leave that for you to like see the little ending on that. Left me a little confused as to why they went back in that direction, but 
as far as I know right now, Colleen is the iron fist. Um, but as, and if you've ever read any of the comics, there are more than one iron fist. Um, there always has been, you know, they kind of get passed down. Um, but Colleen's take on the iron fist is actually something a little bit different and she isn't technically the iron fist. She is, um, something else that is revealed in there. Um, whereas iron fist season one, I would have rated it probably the bottom of all the Marvel Netflix shows that came out. It was probably a solid C. Um, this I would probably give back an A minus and definitely if you've watched the Netflix series and you still want to keep them going, watch it. It's there. Um, I'm really excited for daredevil season three and for punisher season two. Um, you know, they keep putting out good stuff. They learn and they seem to learn the showrunners are learning like, Hey, this is working. This isn't working. They're very responsive as to where they're pulling their stories from. The Easter eggs that they keep throwing in left and right are just phenomenal. They're just like, Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, see it, watch it, binge it. Um, Oh, and the, I thought Alice Eve was playing typhoid Mary and they bring her on as a different Mary. And I must be missing something in my Marvel head because I don't remember this version of typhoid Mary who has multiple split multiple personality disorder. So I don't know if they create a new character or if it's a different, uh, Mary proud Mary, but <laughs> okay. typhoid more typhoid typhoid Mary to me was a different, character but the split personality thing going on with alice eve is kind of fun to watch her go from this really diminutive artist to full-on assassin in a heartbeat do you know he's talking about yeah i'm just trying to i'm the only one in the room what you're saying in my head only one in the room completely clueless okay Okay. just yours i'm sure i end up clueless at times as well okay Okay, well, we are going to run over our break and our audible read today and go right into our topic. Today, we are talking about Ron Howard and a movie of choice this week was Apollo 13, simply because, hey, First Man is in the news, First Man is in the trailers. I thought it would be topical. So tell us a little about Ron Howard. What do we know about him? Well, Ron Howard started as a child actor. I think we all know that. Happy Days. But I think even before that, he was in... Uh, Actually, he was... Andy uh, Griffith. Yes. He was born Into first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was uh, born on March 1st, by the way, in uh, 1954 in Duncan, Oklahoma. <laughs> Sorry. I was just trying to be... Being a bitch. Sorry. Um, and... Where did I read all this stuff? He had, sorry, his first movie was The Journey when he was five. I've never heard of it. It came out in 1959. Then he was Opie in the Andy Griffith Show, 1960. I think uh, I've watched every single episode of Andy Griffith Show. That was, and then uh, in 1962, he was in The Music Man, and mm. he sang Gary Indiana because he had lists. Um, no S's in that song. Yeah. And uh, he was eight years old, and I say that. And then um, in 1973, when he was 18 years old, he was in American Graffiti, which probably is like one of the best soundtracks ever. 
Directed by George Lucas. And has a young Harrison Ford. There's a ton of people in that movie. Mm -hmm. A ton. Anyway, I had the, what did we say? It was a dual cassette tape. uh, Of the soundtrack. Soundtrack. And I played it over and over and over and over again. And, And Wolfman Jack is on it. I thought it was the coolest thing. I probably saw the movie once. But I listened to the soundtrack a billion. I mean, I can see the cover has. Anyway, but um, I loved that. But I grew up him with him. Obviously, Richie in Happy Days. I watched. I watched Happy Days every day after school. So, um, I don't remember. I think having a huge crush on anybody. I liked that. Thought the Fonz was cool. I liked Richie. I mean, I you know the whole. Johnny Los Chachi thing kind of got, <laughs> but um, overall, I feel like, but that's where if we didn't have Happy Days, we wouldn't have Jump the Shark, right? So, uh, which is where the fun jumps the shark and on skis. So that's where that came from. He, they have him on skis, and he goes up and he jumps over a shark, and they thought it, for ratings it was ridiculous. There was an interesting thing regarding his, like, he, with the sh- producer of the show, he wasn't, a, was the producer of the show or was it, who was it, they're airing it on CBS? They wouldn't let him wear a leather jacket because of morality issues. And the way they got around it is as long as there was a motorcycle in the scene, he could wear his leather jacket. So they'd always, you know, he'd always be pulling up with the sound of a motorcycle or there'd be a motorcycle sitting in the bar or the restaurant. He would drive it into the, the bar, uh-huh. didn't he? And that's how he, he got away with wearing his leather jacket all the time. Or otherwise, he would have to take it off. That's weird. It was a different time. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Because it was a symbol of bad, bad, bad. Oh, the leather jacket? Mm-hmm. Mm. Motorcyclists in general were... were bad element. Bad element. Bad thing. I mean, I give me Ginny. She was showing her midriff the whole time, and they had an issue with that. They were kind of like, "What?" So well, they covered her sensors. belly button. Yeah, it's the sixties. I mean, they had the whole American also censorship nonsense going on, and I thought you would know more about that. Was well, this is a slam to me? No, I'm just saying. Oh my I thought you would God. know about television censoring things and how we've gotten more provocative. And- uh, not tel- not TV censoring. I mean, I'm not really no, like. Not with TV. I don't know a whole much about TV. I watched it, but that was about it. But yeah, so. So you're on a roll. Um, happy days. Happy days. And then he made his, uh, you said it earlier, his. Directorial uh, debut. His directorial debut uh, when he was 42. It was, it's 1978, Grand Theft Auto. Auto, you didn't say that. No, I said Los Santo. So Grand Theft Auto, he was twenty four. What am I saying this for? I don't know. I don't either. He directed forty two movies. He directed forty two movies. By the way, total. Uh, that's what it said on IMDb. Mm. You can check it. Mm. He acted in eighty eight. He he, he directed a lot of them between uh, the seventies and the eighties. A lot of like ones that. I had never seen, and then it seemed like he was doing like almost one That's every funny. other year. Okay. That's really funny. He, he did Splash too, didn't he? 
Yes. Yep. That's what I thought. That's when I hammered Brian, I think, officially kind of. Brian Grazer. Yeah, yeah. started working yes. together. On Night Shift as well. Good movie. So, yeah. That was his directorial debut. 24, that's pretty cool. I think. Mm. Um, somebody Considering he had take... been in the industry since five, that's an oh. accomplishment. And now he's a, ma- a master class. Yeah. Master class. I, was I love Facebook. master class. Have you taken some? I took. Um, I took the Hans Zimmer one. How was it? Did you really? Of course I did. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, I took the. Um, it was more Aaron of a story time. Sorkin one. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Keep going. I just. Yeah. Do you have something to say? Mm-mm. Do you have something to say? Mm-mm. Don't laugh. Like let's you're cir- so we'll, we'll smug. S- we'll circle back to the Aaron Sorkin. Mr. Smug. There's something with Aaron Sorkin we got to come back to. Okay. Let's continue with Ron Howard. Because we know here. Aaron Sorkin's name. And I like. I loved his master class. You can laugh if you want. Oh my God. Sorry. If you saw his face, people. And you like Aaron Sorkin. You I do. like him too sometimes. Continue. Um, anyway, but I thought the class was very good. Did you see the class? No. Okay. Well, it, the class is very good. Um, and there's other ones I'm going to take, but anyway. Um, so he's like, he just talks about story and craft. Um, and he wants, uh, I'm talking about Ron Howard now. We're back to Ron Howard. And it says, find a story, love it, and tell it. Sorry, that's, that's the end of his little master class. But um, we, I mean, other than that, um, Wendy and I were kind of just going over stuff like how we grew up with him. Mm-hmm. The first thing I remember, I might have seen Splash. Is that the one with Tom Hanks? Yes. Uh-huh. yes. Okay, so that was the first one I remember, but it, I don't think that was the first one I saw of his. I think the first one I saw of his was Cocoon. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I talked about, or I thought about it earlier, that I I saw Splash, but I had no idea that he was the director. Me neither. At the time, because I wasn't paying attention to that stuff then. Nope. And then Cocoon came out the next year. And I remember for some reason I caught the fact that he had directed it and I thought, oh, that's so cool because I had grew up known with Ron him Howard. for so long. Yep. Um, and I even liked him in, um, if you like John Wayne, uh, he was in The Shootist with John Wayne. And I remember seeing that when he was a teenager as well. The first one that I was aware of who Ron Howard was and that he directed a film was Apollo 13. Like, I had seen these other movies before. I just never clicked that, oh, that was Opie? <laughs> because that's who he was to me, was like, Ron Howard was Opie. He, it, like, I'd seen Happy Days, but Ron Howard always to me was Opie because that's my dad would watch Andy Griffith's show like every day when I was coming home. It was on the TV, or Western was on the TV, or Andy Griffith was on TV. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, there's your little Opie. And then, like, oh, Apollo 13 was directed by that little kid? And uh, and then I went back and like, oh, yeah, I've seen a bunch of his movies and I just didn't realize it. Yeah, Splash, too. I, I also just didn't put those two together. Cocoon came out the year Wendy was graduating high school. Yes, it is. 85 was when it we came We watched out. it in the year you were graduating high school. I don't know. We must have rented it then. 
It came out and we did, yeah, because we were in a bedroom watching it, bawling our eyes out for some strange reason, because all at once it brought up all these feelings of Wendy's leaving and going to college. That's what I remember about Cocoon. That is my Cocoon moment. And one of his films, like, is probably the top five of, like, my wife's, like, anytime it's on, she watches it. Parenthood. She loves that movie. So does Wendy. Mm -hmm. I... I've maybe watched of how many times that she's watched it. I've probably watched it as a whole, but I've never sat and watched more than five to 10 minutes at a time. I've seen it maybe once or twice. Well, and it's a source of um, constant referrals in our house. Um, The electric air cleaner scene um, is always brought up because it's just funny. And, you know, we always say, you know, watch out because grandma might have her electric ear cleaner and um, mm-hmm. things like the roller coaster um, analogy. I'm always thinking that that if I'm having a bad day parenting, um, that that just pops into my head about the roller coaster analogy. So there's lots of it that just resonates, I guess, because I'm a parent now. You've been a parent for a while. For at least uh, 23 years now. Correct. I, I think I was first introduced to John Candy and Daryl Hannah with Splash, by the way. The only thing that reminds me, Splash. Uncle Buck, I think, was When he first hits time. the ball and he comes and smacks him in the face. I mean, that's, you don't get any better comedy than that. That's funny. John Candy was in Stripes earlier, too. Yeah, but I didn't know who he was. But I, um, yeah, I wasn't, I think I was aware the first time he directed was, I think it was Parenthood, actually. Or, yeah, or maybe it flashed up on the screen with Ransom. It's possible. Yeah, it probably did. Although I don't, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, with a lot of these things, it was, oh, yeah, kind of uh, thing. And that's kind of a weird thing like to say. Far and because away? like, Well, yeah, oh, that was yeah. going through the list. I'm like, he directed Far and Away? I've seen the movie, and it doesn't, It's to me, it doesn't, like, nothing on that screams, this is a Ron Howard film. Um, yeah, it is backdraft. <laughs> <laughs> but backdraft, to me, is... The soundtrack and the don't open the door, you know. <laughs> but it, the, the scene where it goes, breathes, mm-hmm. when it's breathing. But uh, the soundtrack by, have you heard the back the backdraft soundtrack? A long time ago. Dude, it's your guy. I know. Anyway. It's his, I'm not a big fan of his early electronic work. That was more of his electronic stage. Oh, I love that soundtrack. It's that same, like... Uh, the Rain Man circle. Oh, the okay. Rain Man well, far and away, Africa. I also was like Enya doing the mm-hmm. stuff, and I was thinking of the soundtrack and thinking about Tom and Nicole. I wasn't really thinking about the director. So it strikes me when I think about it that when I think about Ron Howard, there isn't a type. I don't think of a certain type of movie that he makes. I think of actors and um, producers that he constantly works with. But I don't think of this is his type of film because mm-hmm. he's all over the board, I think. 
But yeah, when it comes to Ron Howard, it's like, oh, Tom Hanks, you know, not a big surprise or, you know, that he um, worked with, uh, produced with Brian Grazer and things like that. that. That's constantly what I think of. Because he did some parenthood stuff, the parenthood, the um, show on TV. Uh, to me, I would say if I was to give him a type, and he hasn't done this with all his movies, but he's a person who likes to tell stories of people, of real figures, and give them life. So you like look at Cinderella Man, you look at uh, Beautiful Mind, you look at Apollo 13, um, Frost and Nixon. Um, there's something else I'm missing in there. Okay. He, just, he just directed an episode of uh, Genius a couple years ago. Um, so like things like that, he likes to bring the life actually was based on a real guy too. Yeah. And the HBO series from the earth to the moon. That was, um, Tom Hanks and him and Ron Howard. Yeah. Mm, I didn't get that. Yeah. He produced it. He produced it and it was very good. So, I mean, that would probably be the only area I would say this kind of the director he is. And I think that also is when he's at his best is when he's telling those stories and bringing to life a real event or a real person. Um, and magnifying it. So and, I just found out today yeah. that he co-wrote Parenthood and Far and Away. That was shocking to me. I don't know why, but it was. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. But we were the top grossing movies worldwide... <laughs> It's just kind of funny because if you go down the list, the worst ones are at the bottom. I mean, the worst ones are at the top of the list mm. as number one and number two. And? What we, would you think would be his worst movies he's ever made? The Da Vinci Code. Yes. Correct. That's number one. And Angels and Demons. That's number two. Inferno. He's got the third one on there. Uh, so number three Inferno is would Apollo. Be fourth or fifth. Number three is Apollo, which is number... No, these are talking about... These are the top grossing. These are top grossing. Four is the Grinch. Blech. Sorry. Can't, sorry. Kendrick loves that movie, but no thank you. Uh, five, A Beautiful Mind. Six is Ransom, which... Did Inferno even make the top ten? No. No. Wow. was <laughs> a really bad one. Seven, Backdraft. Eight, Far and Away. Nine Parenthood and ten Cinderella Man. The the thing that the Da Vinci Code series gave us was some really good music by Hans Zimmer. There are some really good pieces in there that are classically geared pieces that I liked. Hmm. But that was a big thing when he signed on and actually made the Da Vinci Code films and brought them out there. They're kind of weird in their own way. Uh, should I comment? <laughs> comment however you okay. want um, I'm not I, I wanted to like the Da Vinci Code just because everyone was like oh, bashing it and the church was going ah but um, uh, they misused I love it anytime a church gets riled yeah. up and the guy is fiction it's a fictional novel it's a fiction but yeah so um, Audrey Tattoo and Tom Hanks had zero chemistry the whole time and I was cringing watching them interact I love Audrey I agree. to death and I was watching her try to be and mousy. it also gave us long haired Tom Hanks yeah. <laughs> It was Which was weird. bad. Oh, it's horrible. It's just the acting between it was like, I mean, Jean had better chemistry. Sorry, Jean Renault had better chemistry with Audrey than Tom, and she, he wasn't even interacting with her that much. But um, it just felt very awkward having Tom and her talk to each other. And <laughs> I don't know if it could have been cast differently, but you know, 
It is what it was. And we had our stereotypical, I mean, they had Jean Renault play the Frenchman, which he could have been. There's a guy who they always cast as either a Turk or a Russian or a Frenchman. And he's in Armageddon playing the Russian cosmonaut. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Turkey, but it's kind of weird how he's been typecast that way. And they could easily put him in there too, but I don't know, just Tom and Audrey. Every time I think of that movie, I'm like, wow, bad chemistry. And, um, yeah. Tom Hanks never came into my head when I was reading the book. No. No. But Dan Brown claimed that's what he thought about when he was writing it. I'm like, sure he did. Please. What? Please, Dan. Yeah. No. Dan Brown said that he was thinking of Tom, Tom Hanks. when I was writing it sometimes. Come like, on. You mean you weren't doing your photo? Maybe he was thinking about Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, my God. That's insane. <laughs> she sees it. <laughs> that's like, oh that's like if Anne Rice were saying, I was thinking of Tom Cruise. Actually, she didn't want Tom Cruise for. Sorry. But yeah, that's just like I'm, I'm, I'm going for what? off kilter. For? Like interview with a vampire. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna get on a tangent of cruise here. My thing here's the thing is that um, when I thought about my favorite Ron Howard films, I began to think about it that it wasn't the film as a whole that I you know liked. It was just certain elements, like Night Shift. I loved Michael and Henry's interactions together. That's what made me laugh. That's what I liked about the film. And then we have um, what are we talking about? Uh, Paul Thirteen. We'll get to that later. Beautiful Mind. I loved the script for that movie. So when I was reading the screenplay, I loved it. And then I saw the movie. It was even more awesome. But it always goes back to I like the script more than actually watching the movie. So it was. Yeah, I, I loved A Beautiful Mind. So I mean, it, it's actually shocked me that I haven't gone back and watched it in a very while, a very long time. Um, and I wish I, I, I should. I need to put that on my list. But it's like I remember seeing A Beautiful Mind at least three to five times when it first came right. out in that area and where it first came out on the DVD or Blu-ray when I first got it. And I was, just, I really liked it. I just liked the elements of filmmaking that he put into the movie from like just the little things like, Oh, all the numbers pop out on the screen. And that's like, you're actually like getting inside of his mind and seeing it from a different perspective. Well, that's what I thought too. When I was watching it and then I reread it and then I, when I was rereading the screenplay, I said, this isn't really, see, I'm being weird. I'm sorry, but I separate the writer and director sometimes in the elements that they both do. And I said, well... That's not weird. You know, Akiva actually wrote all that stuff in the screenplay. So Ron didn't really... He had creativity, but he was pretty much going from what the script said. Now, Apollo 13, I read that screenplay too. It's all there on the page, but Ron actually had to go in and research on his own and get everything together with Tom, and they had to collaborate together. It was a big ordeal. So it was more director's vision, actor's vision. Everyone had to come together, and that's how... I can say that's my favorite Ron Howard film because he's actually involved. He's actually having input. I'm not saying that directors don't usually, but with the, you know, sorry, I'm drawing blanks. Sorry, I'm on day. But when I saw, you know, Beautiful Mind on screen, I said this is exactly what was written in the screenplay. So Ron may have had some creative choices, but Akiva pretty much told him from line one, fade in. This is what I want on screen. This but is what I'm I think a good director will also make that choice and say, let's not mess with it. You know, it. how many times can you look at something and say, oh, man, that was in the script and they cut it. Yeah. And that was not a really good choice, whereas... You mean historically or script? What do you mean? Go ahead. What do you mean? Like, script-wise. Script-wise. Okay. Um, so I think it's also a symbol of a, a good director who's... Mature. Who's matured and he's he's had, at the point he came to A Beautiful Mind, how many decent films he had already put up. Right. Um. That he came and he saw, and he had a writer who actually 
knew knew the story and wrote it well, then it's just bringing those things to life. I mean, you right. still got to make that leap. I mean, it's not going to happen by itself. Right. And but a good take on separate. the editing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Say again. I didn't hear you. A good take on the editing. Right. So that's just me. That's just my thing that it's hard to separate the writing from the film. And I know that the writer wrote all these things, but Ron did put it together too. But I feel Apollo 13, he really put everything together in the film. And he really had to go and research everything, he had to do everything. He had to get on the Vomit Comet and be there with the actors while they're arcing. And that's insane. I mean, that was a big, big undertaking. And Apollo 13's launch is still used at Disney and other places as a, I mean, they even use it in From Near to the Moon because it was already made and done. So. I'm a space nut. I'm gonna go on long rants during Pot 13 to talk to. But I get uh, it's insane. My son is too. So yeah. I have to say that. So he directed a documentary about the Beatles I that I went to go see. It. I just saw that on the list, and I'm like, huh? No, it was really. This? I saw it at the, at the at the little, and it was there for one day. Um, it was the Beatles eight days a week. It was just the touring years. And it was packed full of, of course, Beatle fans. And he he did, he, I will say he did a fantastic job with it. I learned things I did not have a clue about. Help was literally writing about help. Like, help us. Like, they were so trapped. And, in I mean, um, they felt like prisoners. And um, won't you please, please help me? I mean, I think it's, think it's interesting. But they had, there's lots of things that you can learn in, in that um, movie or documentary so that you, you can actually, you can rent that. It came out in 2016. So. Cool. That's very cool, yeah. Before we roll into Apollo 13, I'm not going to let it slide that there has been a lot of controversy with... Um, Howard taking over the role of director uh, for Solo that just came out and how much it got derided. And um, I think I, I, I mentioned on the show that I think as a Star Wars movie, it wasn't the best, but it was a solid film. And I think that was a testament to Ron Howard making whatever he had work. Because I don't know, you know, we we won't be privy to knowing like, you know, what was actually there from the previous directors that was still in the film and what actually made it there. But as a movie, if you took it outside of the Star Wars universe and just watched it as a, as a movie, I would have gotten just as much enjoyment out of it. Um, and I think that just comes to his testament of like, he's a really solid filmmaker through and through. Um, and out of all of his films, my favorite film is as been a beautiful mind I'm still going to with Paul 13 and beautiful mind is kind of tied so what's my favorite film uh, well it, it varies because there's things that I have really enjoyed I'm sorry I can't just say if you had them all sitting in front of you which one would you put in the VCR I mean in the VCR? We're that you old. Got one. Of the, of we all have one. literally say that. <laughs> we all have I one. I do have one. Um, I would say I would put, uh, oh my gosh. 
I I I have a three way tie. Go ahead. First one comes out of your mouth. I liked Backdraft. Okay. I liked. So we'd be watching Backdraft. We're probably watching Backdraft, but only because in my head, Kendra hasn't seen it. And then uh, Far and Away, I liked Far and Away just because I did. I I did. And then I liked the Beatles documentary. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything here that I'm. I mean, I I thought Apollo 13 was a great movie. Do not get me wrong, but I am not as big into space as other people in my mm-hmm. family. So, yeah, and I have a I have a division as younger me and older me. Yeah, older me would put in Apollo thirteen okay. now, and part of that has to do with the dynamics in my family, and, and it's one of my son's favorite movies ever. Um, and so I have that. And then I really love the message in Cocoon um, and because I think it just – I remember it so well and I remember thinking, isn't this cool? And these older actors were having fun and, and living life and I, I just thought that was a cool message. And so yeah, I have an, a younger me and an older me. So Awesome. Well, let's roll into Apollo 13. Okay. So this is a film – that Ron picked. Uh, it's about the um, survival of the Apollo 13, I guess, launch slash mission slash recovery efforts of NASA and the world to help them come home after a uh, gas pit B interval burst. Sorry, nerd me. Um, they had a fuel tank stir issue, long story short, and they had to turn around. But they didn't really turn around. They just went around on the moon and came back to Earth slingshot-wise. And it was harrowing because these guys are in a small little space about the size of our studio space right now and running out of air and running out of time and fuel because their fuel was spewing into space and they made it back um nasa has never lost a human being in space and i don't think they plan on it ever in the future but that was a very close call so that's about when i had to sum it up really and it stars tom hanks kevin bacon bill paxton and ed harris and Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yes. Um, and there are f- women in the film, but those five gentlemen are the probably the biggest names. memory that I have yeah. of this film. Sure. Um, we learned today that uh, there is a... Please don't say a... that Bill Paxton died because we know that. No. <laughs> no, that actually um, Ron Howard took... Creative, 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 creative license. Creative yeah. license with how it got back. <laughs> how Paul Thirteen got back. Um and he has like he has the dialogue like it's a how, six what six minute scene or something ridiculous. And it's actually It's where he loses the earth. I keep I lost it. I lost it and he's trying to find it. They're burning so that they can Oh, you mean aviation? By yes. uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So when they actually had to do they had to. You can't see. They had to maneuver the spaceship so that it would Fly by actually okay. hit the destination. And so there was actually probably uh, six words that were used during the six minutes. I think we fight. We fight in, in real life. In real life, which probably would have been horribly boring for everybody that was sitting in the audience. And so he filled it. 
with you have to with something. So, um, but what he did was I thought was interesting. I mean, I thought it was good. I kept, I thought it was cool that he was keeping it in his line of sight and everything. So the actual um, did you actually listen to the live feed from the mission because I listened to all of it because I'm that crazy. Um, it's pretty boring, like a lot of dead air. A lot of them just mentally thinking, not even talking out loud and it's, it's frustrating it's, it's yeah. something you've got to give a, a big credit to the astronauts and these people like the situations that are in yeah. and then and it's if you've ever heard a air traffic controller dealing with a oh, situation like they're just calm. grounded calm captains are calm and talking it's like it is amazing because like 90 whatever percent of the rest of us would be flipping out and like uh, one thing at space but, camp they teach you compartmentalization how to compartmentalize your life and your life was in one box the mission's in one box you all learn that and it's hard I mean yeah. even the Blue Angels listening to them they're all calm even neutral voices speaking. it's all and, those and simulations and I get that but there is a very 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 slim portion of the population that is actually like couldn't do that couldn't I mean to be in that I mean and, and doctors can and probably fall in that line too of being able just to completely shut out everything else and deal with the situation well and i Um, i kind of understand that people have always told me that in a crisis this is kind of a strange thing to say but in a crisis i'm always very calm and level-headed and then as soon as that crisis is over then i flip out it's like okay this is what just happened but during the crisis Mm -hmm. i'm very calm and level-headed and this is what we need to get done and we need to do this and um so I think that's kind of along these lines. You know, I'm sure when they got home, they were like, Decompress. you know, my gosh. Yeah. I'd be freaking out because I was looking at the math they had to do. And was think my head was blown. I mean, these people needed to know math. The brightest minds in the world were working in those rooms. So, yes. Well, and I see that's one thing I made a note of. Um, or in the basement. Was that mm-hmm. I love it because of the problem solving scenario in it. Um, my son, you mentioned, um, space camp earlier. My son went to six years, six summer camp sessions of space camp. And you know, the last two where they actually went to Florida and to California and visited sites. And, uh, one of, well, I guess one year was also to Houston. Um, but that's what he told me. He said the reason he loves this movie is because it's a space, it's about space. And because of this the space camps that he attended where they put them in those scenarios and said, okay, this is just went wrong. What are you going to do to fix it? And so, you know, that immediate um, problem solving is similar to that. And they have to run those things all the time, which is another reason why they are calm when it happens. Probably. Who's his favorite character? (laughs) Tom Hanks. I, I said, why did you, why do you like the Tom Hanks character? Because he's Tom Hanks. Mm. That's what he said. To <laughs> How me. old is your son? He's nineteen. Okay. Yeah, this is Derek. And um, the other thing I like about yeah, it's Tom Hanks. And then he it's just said, very, "It's a very apropos answer." <laughs> yep. Um, and the other thing I like about it is this: the fate that's in it, and that the fact that Gary Sinise had to stay back. Yep. His character had to stay back because of the Measles. sickness. Yeah. Measles. But he's the one that helped to solve the problem because he would have been there and knows exactly what right. they are going through. And that whole, it's just amazing to me that that I whole thing um, Sorry. happened the way it did because if any little thing had changed, and that's another thing that Tom Hanks mentioned today, 
is that if any little thing had he done came it over at different times. Did you watch the commentary track? No, he came over yeah. to our house. Yeah, he came and talked to us. Um, <laughs> anyway, it wouldn't have worked. No. Nothing would have got, worked out the way it was supposed to. It's amazing. There is a lot of, I want to say a lot of luck involved in a lot of the big events that have happened. Just like things that just happen. It's like there's no explaining it. There's just like, yeah, it's just. The universe worked out the way it was. Because if it was, out. if it was reversed and Gary Sinise was up there, who would have been their backup down there? True. No one. It was interesting is that, uh, I don't remember the music in Apollo 13. It was Horner, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. But see, I don't know. Yeah. And the movies that I chose I, that I are my favorites, I can hear the music when I see the movie in my head. Like I, I, I chose the ones where the music were, it was like so strong within the story. Like whether you like it or not. The Far and the Way soundtrack, I, I loved the music. You can you can laugh. That's okay. I liked it. And I only chuckle because of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I know. It, it's riding ridiculous. on that horse. It's ridiculous. That's fine. There's some gorgeous little piece in there. Oh. But, and it was it's a nice little... I liked watching it. And I was how old. So. Um, but the music I can hear. Backdraft. I can hear the music. Mm. And... And then, of course, the Beatles. See, and that's funny because I don't hear the music until I watch it a second or third time because I am so focused on the story that if the music is working like it's supposed to work, it it blends so well mm-hmm. that I don't Are even, you talking about all movies? Yes, that mm-hmm. I don't even hear the soundtrack until later. This until is not later. true. Okay. Because what did we do right after we saw Lady Hawk? Because most of that is music. And half the time, all that's all it was. But if True. it's action, like Apollo 13. I know, I'm just kidding. You. I don't hear. Well, yeah, mo- most of it should work on a subliminal level because the right music can change your emotions without you knowing it and completely change a scene. Um, I got to go. Now that you mentioned that, I got to go back. Horner might have, they might have, I think it was Horner. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they dropped out some of the music in some of the scenes. They did. Because I know they're they are doing that with First Man. Like this a lot of the space I mean just silence. It's just silence. I think it's that's good. I think that um the music can mess up your emotions, like it will play with your emotions. I mean with horror movies, fine. Put them in if you need to. Whatever. But it's scarier if you don't. Like, uh, you think like how much of it would be changed if you heard the Superman theme as they're blasting off into space. I mean, that'd be forever stuck in your head instead of something that was a little bit more underscored. And Yeah. But, I was um, just kidding about that. And Apollo 13 has been <laughs> also known as giving us one of our popular vernaculars that people love to use. Misquoted. That is misquoted. Go ahead, Anthony. Sorry, people have been saying Houston, we have a problem. When it's Houston, we've had a problem. Um, That's one thing, and it wasn't as dramatic as they make it seem. Even listening to it for real, it's just level is just calm as it be. Just Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again. Yeah. So it's Tom just heightening it up because it's drama. You have to make it all serious and whatnot. But even Tom knows he didn't want to say it that way, but they made him. So. yeah, that one little bit. And so now every time something goes wrong, you always hear it everywhere. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. And it's so. annoying. So. Well, An interesting and, piece of vernacular history. That yes, is. and they use the um, failure is not an option is mm-hmm. now a um, catchphrase in NASA. 
um, it's on there. Um, Did that get pulled from the movie or was that something from the original tapes? That I don't know. I think it's from the movie. Just from the movie. Or something that maybe Christ maybe said in passing. It's not a bad. But it's kind of really kind of stressful to keep hearing that when situations are. I mean, one thing I should tell you, I listen to the ISS feed like all the time because I'm that kind Mm -hmm. of person. And there's a lot of things going on up there. They like I think last week they finally revealed that there's an air leak in the ISS (laughs) and they're working fast to patch it. But if you listen to it all the time, there's always things hitting the spacecraft all the time. And these people are like, okay, we've had a hit. And it's in its location of we are losing air. But if you're listening all the time, oh, they have another little nick. Last week was the first time that you said we have a hit and we need to get there quickly and fix the problem. And But just, you know. A lot of space junk. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah. Little, little, tiny microscopic little size of a penny or even a nail can hit ISS and burst a hole through it the size of a football. And yeah. it's. So it's the last so little. Sp- Go ahead. So as a space nerd, yeah. can you please answer me a question? I'll try. My daughter can't sleep okay. some nights because she heard there is an asteroid that is going to hit the Earth that's out there that is going to come close and become between the Earth and the moon, and that's how close it's going to hit the Earth within 25 years. Is that true? We've been hearing about it, but they haven't confirmed. But what do you think? I've not even looked at it yet. I mean, I usually get files and need to look at, but I haven't even looked at it yet. You haven't looked at it because you don't think it's a problem and you don't think that it's something we need to worry about? I mean, if I'm really curious, I'll let you look at other... I mean, I don't trust NASA 100% to begin with, so I have other sources I use around the world that will be on... They have observatories everywhere. They can monitor it, but... I'd be more worried about the ones we don't see. Yeah. Like the one... What was it last year? The one that came really close to the Earth that was like, hey, this wasn't even here. Yeah. We don't talk about these things because we don't want to get in the world to mass hysteria. But so. then you just got to go watch Armageddon and watch them blow it up and say, this is what we yeah. can do in 25 years. Yeah. That movie was really unrealistic. It was entertaining, but really unrealistic in a way. It, 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 well, so. isn't, there, isn't there a TV series about that very thing? Yeah. Right now, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, I just saw a blip of it the other day, and there's an asteroid that they're trying to blow yeah. up. Blowing up is not a good idea. Just not good in space. And if you don't want to watch Armageddon, you can always watch Deep, Deep Impact. Impact with Morgan Freeman as the president. president for the second time. I and like Armageddon. It's more entertaining. Because uh, it keeps it from hitting. I think um, with Armageddon, I had... Um, ben Affleck. Oh, yes, I it did. It's going that fast and that close to Earth. The Earth will be gone already. He I'm sorry. Just watching in my now. locker. Yes, he was from that movie. Okay. So yeah, tell your daughter to go watch Armageddon and maybe in 25 years they'll have a way to get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, she can watch that in a f- few years. We're only eight years old. I will say there are other, other scarier things. Like I think there's not much in Armageddon that I wouldn't say. There's a few things. There's a few things you should be more worried about in space besides the asteroids. Like with astronauts sleeping in the ISS and they lose air because the way they're sleeping that the air has to blow on them. But sometimes astronauts actually... So, sorry, this is another thing. When you listen to the feed, they have their heart monitors on. So, a couple times, there's people day and night watching them sleep and listening to their heartbeats. And recently, we had an astronaut almost choke because he lost air because the air is flowing in a way where it's fine on his face. But he turned slightly, and there was just an air pocket around him, and he lost air. So, he started gagging. And the medic was saying, I think he's choking. I think he's choking. So, he needs to wake him up. So, the person on the deck who's awake 
had to float down to the galley to wake the guys. You need to wake up. You have a gas bubble of CO two around you right now, and all because he turned his neck slightly when he was sleeping, and the airflow didn't hit him the right way. So he had a poisonous gas bubble around his head, and hmm. he was basically officiating because he couldn't. He oh didn't my. know because he scrapped in, you know, doing his thing. And, Jeez, uh, that TV series is on CBS. Actually, crazy. it's called Salvation. Mm. Hmm. And oh, it's yeah. about um, an asteroid. They're trying to stop an asteroid from hitting the Earth. They want to set change its course. That's smart. I know that the Chinese are trying to land on one. So, um, yeah. trying to land on an they're asteroid. Trying to land on an asteroid, yeah. Okay. With a satellite, you know, Armageddon. They're trying to land on it. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Okay, we're going to the sun. Just sending a satellite to the sun too in a couple of years. So it's <laughs> sunshine, but without the you know. Well. Maybe Wrapping not. up our Apollo 13 coverage, I just also wanted to point out this was also to me it was like the trio of uh, Tom Hanks films. It was in his the three right in a row with uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, and then two in the same year, Apollo 13 and Toy Story. So he like it was just his that was his like hot zone of where he was and kind of solidified himself into everybody's mind of who tom hanks is he wasn't goofy anymore he was serious and then toy story you know infinity and beyond and now coming up we have first man coming up so this should be an interesting uh there's been a couple of space films this one i'm looking <laughs> there's forward been a to. couple space films <laughs> just a couple they didn't spend a lot of time yeah. on apollo 11 during from earth the earth to the moon on hbo they kind of skipped over it and apollo 13 was covered on the ground versus on the in space mm-hmm yeah, Apollo 11 is in Hutchinson, Kansas, at the Cosmosphere. Say again? Uh, Apollo 11, the actual the Apollo, capsule. The capsule, Apollo 11. You, I, you look, at, look at the doubt. It is. Um, this Cosmosphere works practically, coincides with NASA, and they have exclusive right on a lot of those th- things, and they have a space museum in Hutchinson, Kansas, which is, is where a- Derek was able to go through space camp through the Cosmosphere and that's it's an really hour nice. away, and that was why fourth, no, my third grade field trip. That's the one that you always look forward to, but I don't know if they do it Could anymore. It? Huh? Could you touch it? No, it's behind. I mean, it's. Of course. Yeah, we can climb inside it. No. Well, at Space Camp, you can, depending on how you're ranking and whatnot. They let you slide into mock ups of Apollo. Yeah, no, this is the actual thing. So. You can. Mm. I want to touch it. So, no. okay. Touchy, touchy. No touchy. <laughs> yes. All right. God. Well, that was fun discussion. Uh, the next discussion is going to be Mom. Anthony's. I'll surprise you. I don't know yet. Oh, it's going to be surprised. We're going to be surprised and we're going to be watching uh, be some surprised. hockey film. No, probably Alexander Payne or something like that. We'll see. Oh. Alexander Payne. What? All right. So let's uh, reach <laughs> into our grab bag. What's in the kids' corner? Uh, the kids' corner was created by Wendy. So. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I love how Wendy took over. I, know, <laughs> I had to go take a shower. <laughs> Let me go do this for you. Um, my uh, eighth grade daughter, Mackenzie, which we've mentioned, I think she's mentioned before, um, has watched a movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is a TV 14 on Netflix. Um, it's about a girl who's has written these letters to five of her crushes and they get mailed out. And uh, so that for everything changes for her and um, basically a definitely a tween uh, movie. And I noticed that um, Disney's A Wrinkle in Time comes to Netflix on September 25th. Oh, good. That'll save me from renting it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. 
It's one of those way down on my list of things to watch. And it is. Like, if it's, it's going to be there, then you can watch it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We haven't been watching. <laughs> my kids don't really like me during school season. School season? School, one. school season. School, <laughs> school's in session, I guess. Yeah. We haven't really been uh, Aww, watching. Can't much. watch anything at night. We don't watch anything yeah. more. We watch lots of nature shows. If we watch if we watch TV, it's a nature show, because yeah. there's not there's not much time once the girls get back from school because we're trying anything. to focus on reading. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, so that's Kids Corner. Right. Uh, score of the week: I currently have nothing. Um, we I haven't heard I haven't heard anything new that's been uh, that's been stealing my interest. So I'm we still going just... back and listening to the same old favorites so what what are your favorites then since we wrote down some of ours i I, a lot of my stuff is the Hans zimmer stuff i love the the gladiator the dark knight score suite the pirate suite um i mean i can literally listen to those so if i if i'm in a Hans zimmer mood i really like listening to the live in prague um edition that was so that was the show that i went and saw yeah uh last year it was this is when they recorded it in Prague, and it's just fantastic. I have the Blu-ray too, and it's just amazing. I um, like the. I'm I'm really digging Michael Giancino's stuff. Um, he's been doing a lot of good uh, stuff out there, doing a lot of the new Star Wars stuff. So I was listening. The ones that I could remember affecting me when I was younger, like. Uh, I liked Edward Scissorhands, Laszlo Mohicans. I liked, I still like, I mean, still like them. The English Patient, uh, Out of Africa, grew on me because I listened to it with Wendy and Mom, mm-hmm. probably. And The Dark Knight, I always liked. And Rush was a movie with Jason Patrick. Got it. And, um, so I couldn't remember his name, last name. Um, and Jennifer Jason Lee, Rush. Uh, it's a. Do you know the movie? Is that Rush, the, one, the race car? And, no, no it's, this is Rush's uh, movie about the fact that he goes undercover. Oh, or she does. She does. Somebody goes undercover. Yeah. To, for into Not a drug the Rush ring. I was thinking of. Yeah. And Eric Clapton does the entire soundtrack, and it's. I've listened. To, I love it. The other one's a Ron Howard movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that's <laughs> with Thor. Anyway, but yeah, Rush. <clears throat> Thor and. Uh, Listen to it. I like it. It's good. Dark Knight to me still has one of the best pieces of score and cinematic Mm -hmm. piece. When the tractor trailer comes out and they go underneath the ground, that whole suite in there is just to me, I I still get chills every time I watch it. And I've watched it many, many times. But. And it's a very simplistic piece of music. So. <laughs> Wendy, John Williams, everything. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, She's a big John Williams. Guy. I have a hard time um, picking a favorite. I really love Ennio Morricone and um, How can you have, not? have for a long time. Some people don't. It scares me. It's a specific thing. I like my favorite was The Mission because that's, that's where favorite. I first – well, really heard him and really goes, oh, who is this? I've got to find out who this is. But I even love when I'm listening um, 
on Pandora and I just put in, okay, this is what I want, this type I want to listen to. And they, they throw in um, the Once Upon a Time in the West and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly themes and things like that. And he, even those are great. And he did the music for Hateful Eight, too. He did. The mm-hmm. Oscar, yeah. finally. Sad. Yeah. And my um, go-to when I was driving to work all the time was um, the Gladiator soundtrack. But I love the vocals by Lisa Gerard and in that and I could just listen to that over and over again and you know uh, the Harry Potter soundtracks even though they still had the same John Williams theme for parts of it they changed throughout all that time so I, I have a hard time focusing on one she's a soundtrack girl <laughs> always have been <laughs> um so in, in lieu of actually listening to any new scores lately, what I've actually been catching up on is um, the there's a new podcast. It's called Score the Podcast. These are the same ones. They made a documentary called Score the Film last year, which was really good. And what they've done with Score the Podcast is they're going around and interviewing individual composers. So they've had Ramin Jradi, um and a couple other um, like Harry Gregson Williams on there. And rather than like playing the music, you're actually like delving into like some of their stories behind, you know, what started their career, where they got that. So I've been really, I'm like, they just finished up their first season. So I'm just listened to the last one on my last trip. Um, and it's, it's kind of nice to, you know, you really don't get to know many of the composers outside of their music, but to actually finally like listen to a composer and like realize like, how much they put into it and, you know, how much they get to work with the directors and how many of them, like, you know, the first time I heard like the composer's suite and room was put next to the edit bay in the director's room was for Gladiator. That was the first time I had ever heard of it. Usually it's like everything was shipped out or farmed out to a, a, um, orchestra room and they do everything over there and they weren't having that back and forth editing. And it was like, almost all these guys all worked either with Hans or through different channels. And they all seemed to develop that same repertoire with the directors that they would work with is that they would just create the music as they're doing it. And the most recent one was, um, come on, come on. Lauren Belf, uh, from mission impossible and his work with Christopher McQuarrie. They were just, the rooms were next to it. You're just going back and forth. He, you know, make up the music and play it. And they just, yeah, it was just like, like that's 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 ultimate creativity for me when one feeds the other and back and forth. So, okay, cool. Um, there's nothing under the book of the week. Well, we skipped it, but the book of the week. Oh, the book of the week. I'm just listening to an Audible book that I Anything just good? started. I don't I I don't know yet. Too early to tell. It's too early to tell, okay. but it's The Couple Next Door by <clears throat> Sherry Lapina and it's narrated by Kristen Potter. But I'll let you know next week or the next time we do this, I guess. Um in the game world, um like I said, I've been playing Spider-Man. It um it's a holy wow moment for me. The game they basically generated all of New York City and it's pretty much all explorable like you can't go into buildings but you can climb up and fly on them see all the cool landmarks go what to times platform? square playstation 4 
So like one of the coolest things, like I, I climbed up to the top of the Empire State Building and you just get that view of everything from every direction. Um, the girls really liked seeing Times Square being generated. Now, because of licensing, you don't have like, you don't have Hamilton, you don't have like all these popular things that you would normally expect to have. So they're all made up generated. So we were hunting down like the different theaters. I was like, oh, it's because Emma just came back from New York City. She's like, oh, go to this road, go to this one. So I was like, we were going to different things as Spider-Man, just screwing around. And just for the open world exploration, it was fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to Red Dead Redemption, which is coming out in the end of October, which Exciting. is a, a um, Western one that's been almost got to be close to 10 years since the last one came out. I think so, yeah. Um, and just looks set in a. It's basically amazing... a Western where you can go out and you're basically a gunslinger, bandit kind of figure, and you can do whatever you want to do, and there's consequences for it. So you can rob a store or shoot someone, and people will chase after you for doing oh, it. Oh, kind of Westworldy. Weird. Mm, better. But actually sat in, yeah, sat yes. in the West. The thing, the thing, and it's come through with like games like Uncharted and Spider-Man now is like they've really embraced the cinematography uh, type feel. Like it's not just a game. It's the feel of like a whole experience. Like it has a certain look to it. And so that you're getting these beautiful locations to explore. I mean, how detail the empire state building is like all the little details that you can see when you go there you can see on the building little things like in red Dead redemption like hey a horse running down like you you get dust up in the air like the little things that they think about to make it a complete experience but also put you in these amazing venues that looks like a professional cinematographer was just out there just giving you a movie but you're actually creating the movie as right. you're doing it it's just been we a, got to central park yet yeah Stopped a couple of muggings in Central Park. Did you? Yes. Even I- fell in the water. <laughs> nice. So, but it was at night. So I got to go back there during the day and see if they've got the uh, geese. Is it the geese boat? Oh. What's the, is it a duck boat? Swan geese boat? boat? Swan boat. That's the one I'm thinking of. See if they have the swan boats there. I always there. enter and so buy. I have a PS4 now. 42nd Street. Buy the Dakota. Because that's where the imagine is. <laughs> I, I've only been to New York twice and it's been a long time since i've been there and so i'm just kind of doing most things from memory as to like where things are but i'm just having fun exploring cool it's like a Playground. google maps but bigger no it sounds <laughs> cool like that it's fun uh what's on your radar what's in your queue i didn't get a chance to watch like father that's a kelsey Grammer, um christine bell film I saw the first 10 minutes of it, so I'm still engaged in watching it. I just got kind of hung up by watching my kids. So I started listening to Netflix audio describers, describe movies. So I never knew that really existed, but listening to Black Panther and uh, Thor Ragnarok being audio described is kind of funny because the uh, describers are kind of cheeky or descriptive. So they describe Thor as being, you know, a handsome man with long hair. And then, yeah, it's just all these little fun little tidbits they put in there it's funny when you said you were listening to movies that way I remembered I think I took my tape recorder and I recorded the first Batman okay and I would listen to it at night I did that with Big Trouble in Little China okay and uh, it was the first time I did it and it was probably the last time I did it I don't think I ever remember doing it but it helped me like just learning the words to a movie and it really helped when I started getting into theater, just like the whole like learning lines and like how quickly your memory can like soak in stuff. 
And I realized like if I ever, whenever I needed to learn lines for theater, I would record the lines and then I'd listen to them at night as I'm going to sleep because your brain starts to shut down and it, the retention rate of what is in your brain at that time of the night is phenomenal. And it's just, I just remember like, oh, it's just such an interesting experience listening to, listening to a movie without actually seeing a movie. There's an app now. Did you know that? Yeah. For learning lines. Mm. Isn't it sides? Yeah, I think so. And it's only for Shakespearean things right now, but hopefully they expand that. But I think that's cool. There's also a new streaming service called Stages, which is a streaming platform for theater people who love theater. It has um, one of my favorite web series, Submissions Only. Season 1 is on there, but they're going to expand, I think. So you can still watch Submissions Only on YouTube, but it's going to be on there. And they have backstage interviews. They have some shows. They have like uh, cabarets that some actors do at Studio 54. Um, so it's still in the beta stage. So I signed on as a beta tester, and it's going to officially release in October on the first, so it's about four ninety nine a month. Or I signed up as a beta service for DC Universe, and I still didn't get the invite. But that's going to probably be released soon too. Bitter about it? Huh? A little bitter? No. So. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because all the DC move, f- films or new series that are coming out are through that. Um, I haven't caught up on much, so I'm going to try to use the next two weeks to finish up Ozark season two, finish up Castle Rock. Those are the, the two most important. I haven't been back to the theater in a couple weeks now. And there's like three movies that are out now, like predators out. Um, so I wanted to go see that one. Peppermint came out last week. Wanted to go see that one. Still haven't seen black Klansman. So I have three or four movies that are legitimately at the theaters right now. I don't know how long they're going to be there and I want to try to get them before they're out. And now that, kind of past the wedding i can uh get the wedding stuff done and go out and see something so in terms of tv ozark and castle rock and then whatever else from there i um both of these movies actually playing at the same at the little it's uh i want to see the wife and the bookshop those are the two i want to see the wife and the bookshop what are they they're, they're two different movies the wife is Glenn Close. Oh, at the um, little. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going to see that and finish up my book. And so there's small market theater. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. No. <laughs> um, and then uh, I guess finish up Castle Rock and finish up Ozark. Yeah. So we should have a wonderful discussion about Ozark and Castle Rock next show. Yeah. I also have Orange's New Black is still left to finish. I think I'm halfway through the last season. I think we're done then, right? Is everybody... Did, oh, do you, you have one that anything you're about? looking forward to um, finishing? Well, when right now I'm watching um, The 100 on Netflix. I My son has watched all of them. He is now sitting nicely and watching it with his father and I. And we're in season two. I'm hooked. It's I'm one. It's one of those that I think I can't not watch the next next episode. What was the last season that they just put out? Was that four? Six. Six. Oh my gosh! I think. All right. So I watched all the way through season five up to the last finale episode. I missed the finale, and I haven't gone back up or watched this past season yet. Oh, so I'm I'm hooked on it. Um, 
I guess I'm going to have to go watch um, uh, Lost in Space on my own because since I've been here, they finished up the first season of Lost <laughs> in Space. And I asked, I said, well, was it good? And they said, very good. And Solid show. I, the I last really one, they said the last episode was like, okay. Um, so now I have to go see it because they've seen it. So, um, And we started a, a mission this summer to watch all of the Marvel Universe shows and, and movies in chronological order. Oh. And <laughs> there's your sister. <laughs> the movies and? And the Netflix including shows. Including Agents and, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, including oh, Agents of wow. S.H.I.E.L.D. And the... Um, uh, My mother Hulu, is doing Hulu, this. Yeah, Hulu shows, all of this. And That's some of them... a lot of time in front of the TV. It is. We've spent a lot of time in front of the television this summer. And we just finished up. What's funny is, is we knew this was going to happen to us we are now up to where Ant-Man and Wasp chronologically happen, and we can't watch it anywhere <laughs> until it comes out um, streaming, and it's not there yet, and so it doesn't gone, come out until you've October. You've gone through and caught up on everything. Yes. Up to, wow, that's nice. impressive. Yes. So we're I at didn't Ant- finish watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. until like three weeks we ago. We have three episodes left because they are at the end after Infinity. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and so my daughter, Mackenzie, has been watching it with us, too, and she is just livid. She's, why can't we watch Ant-Man and Wasp now? I said, because it's not when it's supposed to be. We're going to watch it when it's supposed to be. We so, watched Ant-Man and Wasp. <laughs> so we're in limbo right now waiting on that so that we can finish everything else. But Impressive. Isn't that strange? That is That impressive. we're sisters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so different. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Tony, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook and on uh, Instagram at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. I opened my Instagram, so if you want to hit me up, hit me up. Don't hit too hard. Yes, please don't. Valerie? I'm on Phoebe Vidmar on Twitter. That's it. Kendra's high, or not Kendra, Wendy. <laughs> yes, that's okay. Where to go? <laughs> uh, it's okay, I'm related. Um, it was the, the look you just gave was a hacker look through and through because I saw it in Kendra, I saw it in you, and I've seen it in you. It was just I'm not a hacker, but we're all related. Bennington, sorry. <laughs> that line, yes. Um, and I'm on Instagram as just Wendy Hacker, all one word. Awesome. Um, I am GF Media or GF Media CEO pretty much anywhere. You can find me as either. Uh, you can find us at culturalstew.net on Twitter cultural stew on facebook and uh cultural stew.net where we update the podcasts and pretty much nothing else so (laughs) yeah we might get rid of our review side well we've got to talk about that but anyways that's where the feed comes through um get a hold of us let us know how we're doing if you're listening if you're leaving us why you're leaving us we want to know something anything catch you later The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by 
And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. you've heard want to continue to hear more please consider patreon what is patreon you ask patreon is a content creator support site a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love please consider heading over to patreon.com gfmedia and becoming a patreon supporter today